Okay, everybody, and welcome back to the Paired Weapons podcast, episode two. And it doesn't seem a moment, it was it was episode one, and that's because it has actually only been a few days. But broadcasting from the sunny hills of the Pennines, where no one can hear you scream, it's Maddie P, and here's my co-host from the Big Smoke, Kev. How are you? Uh, very good, thanks, Matt. Thank you. Uh, yes, living it large awesome. in Burnage, as always. <laughs> absolutely is the uh are the roads still as deserted as they were the other day i mean my roads are always deserted but that's for entirely different reason the main road's pretty busy i cycle into work now so it's quite nice actually because i don't feel like i'm gonna get killed by a car at a moment's notice no no and um hardly anything in the way of pollution i should have thought as well so it's, yeah so it's quite nice all, actually yeah. it's not all bad yeah right well well i've got a real treat for you tonight listener um we have got ourselves a special guest hang on, hang on listener have we got one is that it oh yeah yeah i was constantly <laughs> referring to the listener well, well presumably my mum's listening to this as well and uh, as we established last week both our wives will be listening so, <laughs> so yeah well we've got a real special guest um today uh, we're proud to introduce him uh our very first guest kev aren't we are oh. we doing well um, and we've aimed no, high well exactly uh, and no one else other than he who bestrides the uk ninth age scene like the colossus he is the intellectual gargants and current uk master is craig johnson welcome to the show buddy how are you thank you i'm a bit overwhelmed by that introduction if i'm honest um <laughs> i might clip that up and say that was my ringtone <laughs> Well, do you know what? I've got plenty more where that came from because um, both Kevin and I play against Dan Thomas. Uh, he's obviously uh, uh, well known to you, uh, to you listener, and also to you, Craig. And um, uh, when I was playing against him once, it wasn't long after Tech uh, 2019. I was talking about uh, the games that, that, that he'd had there, uh, and he said something that I've never heard him say either before or since. He said that when you two guys played, although he won, he said you outplayed him. Yeah, I, I remember that game fondly. <laughs> I, I do always enjoy playing against Dan. I, I think me and Dan have very different play styles. He's very analytical and very mathematical and very um, almost trigonomic, trigonometrical. That's not a word, mm. but we'll go with it. Yeah, he, he's very, a very analytical style of player, whereas I, I very much am not. I probably should sometimes analyze more what I'm doing. And it's quite interesting, our two different play styles. You know, we, we both consider ourselves decent players and... And we've both been lucky enough to go to ETC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have very, very different play styles. And I remember that, that first turn, just Dan's movement was very precise, very measured out and checking everything. And then I move and it's just sort of shove it around the board for a bit. But uh, yeah, it looks fine. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's, it's it's like watching sort of two ancient kung fu masters, isn't it? Both, they've got different <laughs> styles, but both of them are going to kick the shit out of me and Kev, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, how's lockdown going for you, Craig? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going OK, if I'm honest. Uh, I can't complain too much. Me and my housemate, we have a, a big field outside, so we're quite lucky where we live, and it sits on the River Trent in Nottingham. So... When we do get out and about, we've got this great field to use. It's got some goalposts and we're both into football. And then being a board gamer who plays video games and, you know, can play Universal Battle, I've got a lot to keep me going during the day. Having become a Christian in the last couple of years, I've still got a lot of the Bible to read. I've got a lot of fiction books to read. So in terms of that, yeah, quite lucky. Good chance to try out some new recipes for cooking as well. So in terms of actually keeping myself busy in and around the house, I'm quite lucky in that respect in that 
I feel like I've got a lot to be thankful for in the area that I'm in and my circumstance and my family haven't got underlying health conditions. So again, something else to be thankful for. Um, they're way up in Harrogate, but you know, it's great to chat with them and yeah, a lot to be thankful for. It's, it's definitely not hit me as hard as it's, it's probably hit a lot of other people. So, um, you know, it's still a situation that I'm cautious about and, and trying to be considerate about, but at the same time, I feel like, as I said, I've been quite lucky. So, yeah, just yeah. very thankful for that, really. Right. Well, Sounds we... like you're not getting bored then at all. Not yet. Just painting scaven up. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, in between, um, in between painting, uh, painting up rats and, of course, uh, uh, broadcasting on a daily basis on the excellent podcast, This Land Rat. What day are you up to now? Is it 12 I was listening to earlier? Uh, yeah, 12? 12. 12 was released 12. today. So yeah. episode yeah. 13 hasn't been recorded, but hopefully that'll be up tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. And we were just saying beforehand, Craig said, you know, he was apologising for being a little bit late uh, coming on because he's been delivering late, uh, delivering uh, groceries, groceries to uh, an elderly neighbour. What a wonderful gesture in these uh, in these dark times, mate. Country needs more people like you. Bravo. Hey, you know, it keep, starting, keeps you busy. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to feel a, a, a little bit uh, a little bit like a poor citizen here because I'm in between Craig with his uh, his wonderful good deeds and Kev, who's in charge of uh, uh, the coronavirus testing for the northwest of England, and um, uh, and all I'm doing is knocking out a podcast. So I'm feeling a little bit down. Yeah, in the that that still fills a role. Don't 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 down yourself. It still fills Many a, role. a hobbyist is happy about that. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Now I'm right in thinking that you're a teacher as well, aren't you, Craig? Just yeah, so I am a teacher. Yeah. Uh, what what do you teach? What's your what's your group and uh, and subjects and stuff? So I teach maths and computer science. I I trained to be a maths teacher and then my degree is computer science and the school I trained at originally were like well do you want to teach computer science as well so I've, I've done both subjects the last six or so years okay. and then in cool. September I started at a new school in Derby so we only have year sevens and year eights so we okay. haven't got any GCSE groups um so they're rolling out as they're coming as that that's one of the new schools then yeah I guess yeah 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 cool. and how are you finding distance learning because um I've got about 75% of my students are engaging and about 25% have clearly run off into the forest <laughs> and aren't coming in. I'm finding it really interesting, to be fair, in that we don't have any exam groups. So again, that's yet another circumstance that I'm thankful for in that I, I don't have to worry about how my year 10s are going to complete their GCSEs, what grades my year 11s are going to get. We've only got year 7s and year 8s and hopefully it'll help some of them grow as people uh, and I do feel a blip in the key stage three scheme of work won't won't hugely impact them hopefully but in terms of actually the distance learning uh, I'm employed as the computer science teacher at the school I do teach a little bit of maths but in terms of the distance learning I'm saying the computer science work and for 95% of the time it's it's pretty I'm trying to set two types of work. I'm trying to set engaging programming work. So I'm using websites like Code Combat, which is basically teaching programming via what is essentially a dungeon crawler game. Um, So it teaches Python programming. So it teaches some useful skills. Is that available to anyone? Sorry. Yeah, the first 19 levels are free to use. And then I've got about 10 spare licenses if you or your child listening to this podcast would uh would like some extra levels um yeah oh, craig is then is there no end to your goodness craig 
<laughs> once once those 10 run out that's it i'm afraid but um but i'm yeah. also cautious of of setting too much uh a lot of the other subjects are using computers and digital literacy skills so i'm aware that the digital literacy side of my curriculum where they use word powerpoint and so on is yeah. being fulfilled so i'm trying to set yeah. work that is so like my work for the last week before easter was to spend an hour without any screens doing a creative project that you want to do so it wasn't anything computer science related but my justification was they've been using computers for two weeks i don't need them to do anything else on the computer right now and then i'm so i'm trying to sort of alternate between that and then i guess the other i, I guess we take it for granted in the world we're in that everyone has a computer or access to to technology but there is about it's an inner city derby school with a, a high proportion of um pupil premium so there's yeah. about five to seven percent of our cohort don't have access to a computer so we're having to print off all the work for them and send it to them in these packs yeah, yeah. which I don't want them to miss out on the programming opportunities which they would be having at school. So it's been quite interesting to work out how to do that and how to put together a pack for for those that are at home and don't have computers that engages them just as much as, you know, what is a great resource in Code Combat, which is a dungeon crawler that's, you know, it's got loads of unlockable things on and, and levels and so on and so forth. And yeah, it's, it's been quite interesting. I, I, I've enjoyed it to an extent. But it's been tricky and in terms of engagement numbers um <laughs> it, it's mixed some day well some of the work i've set i've had quite a lot i've had like about 75 80 percent but then some of the work if it's paper-based you obviously just can't tell so it's tricky yeah. but yeah yeah, well, it's um, it's kudos to the uh, to colleagues and uh, co-professionals out there that we're keeping the educational ball rolling. Uh, it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you've got to teach by stealth methods and like, it sounds to me like dungeon crawl is a pretty good way to be learning. Uh, much more difficult when you're trying to get them to talk about geological formations on the coast. <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm, 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 I'm much less kind than yourself. I think I'm just smashing out essays with them and, and reporting them to their parents when they don't do it. It seems to work pretty well. But um, but we're here to talk about uh, Ninth Age. So um, what's what's your history in uh, in the game then, then, Craig? I mean, obviously, you know, we know each other going way back, don't we, back to... Mm eighth seventh maybe even but um why don't you tell our listener um what's your background in the game yeah so in terms of wargaming i i sort of got dragged into a games workshop when i was much younger and i found it a good way to build social skills that i struggled with at school um and so you started playing all three games workshop games lord of the rings included got a soft spot for lord of the rings always have and always will do and since then i've pretty much played most major war games so i've played hordes war machine i've played blood bowl played malifaux played ninth um played plenty of others kings of war and so on and most of them at tournaments um i've always found tournament gaming the my favorite side of it both from a competitive and a social aspect and i've always been naff at painting so gaming has very much always been my focus and then seventh edition was one of my favorite games in terms of fantasy eighth edition i did really enjoy as well and i started doing etc during eighth edition but i was sort of juggling that with uh, malifaux at the same time i was i was playing a lot of malifaux so I sort of jumped between the two quite a lot uh, were you um, were you as good at malifaux as you as you are at uh, uh, eighth stroke ninth 
I'm a former master number one, so there's parallels. That's impressive. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's deeply impressive. Yeah, um, I, yeah I, I had a bit more luck at the Malifaux Masters in the, the four years that I went. I came third, second, first, and third. Um, but they, they did theirs a little bit differently, which, sorry to tangent, but they, they do theirs with four groups of four on day one. You'd round robin in the groups, and there's a seed in each group, which are the first, second, third, and fourth on the rankings. Right. And then the top two from each group progress to day two, which is a quarterfinal, semi-final, final. So it's literally knockout games of. Okay, games. so so you you could not qualify for day two. Is that how it works? For yeah, and then day what do two. They do? Day right. two at the same venue, they had uh, across both days, they had two separate one-day events. Right, and the right. the first the what the first day was just like a fluff event for narrative campaigns for those that weren't in the masters, and then the second day was the first event of the year that counted for the following year's masters, but obviously it didn't have any of the top eight players in it, so it's a really good okay. chance okay. for for people to get some some big points early on without some of the heavy hitters in the field. Um, right. Well, that's well, that is a different way of doing it. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> that's yeah, very interesting. It. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. it yeah. Playing a knockout game of Warhammer, because Malifaux is, is victory points as well. You can go up to 10-10 down to 0-0. Zero, zero. So it's not quite 20 nil, but similarities. There's nothing more terrifying than playing a knockout game of Wargaming, where if you lose a victory point, and it's up to 10 victory points in Malifaux, you're like, oh, that could see me out. That could see me done here. Yeah. Um, and then in Malifaux, you've also got the option to extend to a sixth turn. It was a five-turn game with options to go to a six if it en- did end in a draw you could go to a sixth turn and ha- sort of have that sudden death turn which again right. terrifying God, we'd, be, it... we'd be no good at that would we care if i'll be back <laughs> no. i'll be back in the bar by about 11 it was just it was just a really good fun different way of doing malifaux yeah. um wow. I, I like that i think that's really good yeah, that's an interesting way of doing it isn't it yeah, yeah. Pressure's so, on there. Um, yeah. You don't want to fuck that up. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. So you mentioned ETC there, Craig. You um uh, still ETCing? Um, uh, obviously, um, you've you've been a stalwart of the scene. Um, what's your ETC history then? So my ETC history, my first year was twenty twelve or thirteen, whichever the first year in Serbia was. And I actually played for Scotland for a year. Yay! <laughs> everyone has to do a year it's like a it's like a <laughs> um, and it so weirdly there'd always been someone from harrogate on team scotland for okay. the last for the five years before me even though it's a weird little town in yorkshire so i i jumped on that bandwagon i was the next person from harrogate and i played skaven i played triple warlord in unit storm vermin um this is just after the demon book had come out that was doing the rounds with the uh, oh, yeah, I remember that yeah yeah, yeah so it, it was when there was like a law of death gray and clean one was sort of the go-to lord choice and so on <laughs> so. is that when the cannons came out yeah 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 um so that was good fun and I was like I want more of this and I applied for England the next year and I put in a bit of a stint to do well at tournaments and I, I was lucky enough to get accepted onto the England team. Ben Curry was having a year off, so I actually played Dark Elves that year. And then since then, I, I've stayed on Team England. I've captained it twice. 
and I've played Skaven at a couple more ETCs, uh, or specifically once more at Skaven and once more at Vermin Swarm. Played Beast Herds for two of the Ninth Age ones. I have played something else that I can't remember off the top of my head. There is one other army I've played at ETC, but yeah, I, and alongside that, doing like the Danish warm-ups and a few other international events. So wow, and of course the uh, the famous Team England uh, holidays that precede the ETC. As well, have you uh, partaken in a few of those? Yeah, I've, I've been since they've been going. I've been to most of them, bar the one last year. So last year I couldn't make it um, just due to work circumstance and financial circumstance but all the others i've managed to go to and yeah they're, wow. they're great fun so you got so multiple caps then for uh, uh for etc already well we can but dream kev hey oh no one still day time. still time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yes it is i i guess we can now that it's officially out on the facebook groups as well we can talk about the disappointment of it being cancelled for this summer as well um, not surprising, um, obviously, given the circumstances. Yeah, but uh, disappointing nonetheless. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm determined to be back in 2021. Uh, if, if it kills me, I'm going to get a cap. Um, <laughs> I, do you feel the same way, Kev? Yeah, I do. I def- definitely want to go to at least one and, yeah. uh, you know, represent. In terms of a spectacle and just an experience, there is in my opinion if people enjoy tournaments getting to an international event is a whole another level of this is crazy and then the ETC is even more so the pinnacle of that um yeah yeah, best tournament you've ever been to oh well in terms of like atmosphere and enjoyment or in terms of yes it it has to be ETC or the Danish warm-up that used to happen um the Danish warm-up has its own place in a lot of people's hearts in that you start playing Friday night. The first round was at 10 p.m. on Friday. So you finish at like half one in the morning. Wow, Everyone yeah. It's in this tiny, tiny village in Denmark. So like, it's nowhere near anywhere. It's about a 15-minute drive to the nearest town, and that's not even a very big town. So you all stay at this school. It's a, yeah. a primary school. And you all sleep in a separate class. Like, each team's got a classroom. Or you just find like a shed or a bit of the playground <laughs> or something to sleep in. So I actually slept in the playground the last time I went and they had this like cargo net swing. And that's where I made my bed. And it was it was great, actually. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, four game, four games on Saturday through to 2 a.m. Wake up Sunday morning, like eight for your last game. And then it, it's all over by like 1 p.m. on Sunday. And you've, you've had six games in the space of like 36 hours and your brain's fried. But it's a yeah. great experience. I bet everyone's absolutely hammered, aren't they? Yeah. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> I'd have thought it, after that, it's like the retreat from Moscow on the Sunday afternoon. I'd have thought it was something like that state you'd be in after that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sucking <laughs> eyes. Yeah, quite. Okay, so um, uh, later on then, Craig, we're going to ask you to take part in a couple of the features that we've uh, now become traditional on the podcast. Um, and that's going to be Desert Island Night Age. We're going to ask you to, to choose an army that you're going to take for your castaways experience on your desert island and then we'll we'll play the ancient enemies game as well see who it is you'd like to play uh who's a figure from history and what they'd be playing and how if that's okay with you but there's no way we're gonna have craig johnson on the uh, on the show without getting you to um 
give us your insights into what Kevin and I seriously regard as being one of the hardest armies to play against. We were saying just before you came on the call, I don't think I've ever beaten a vermin list. Now, that's probably not being quite a few factions, <laughs> but this is definitely the hardest one. So I'm really, I've got my ears open for some uh, for some hints here today. But Kev's come up with a great idea on how we'd like to go through the book. So uh, over to you, buddy. I'd just like to say that I've been playing against Verminswarm for about, what, six, seven years now? One of my best mates in Manchester used to play them all the time. And he constantly kicked my ass and it was incredibly upsetting. <laughs> so uh, I really hate them. I remember one particularly bad one where turn one a warp lightning cannon picked out my uh, wizard in my unit of knights, took her <laughs> off turn one, and uh, I think it was all over by turn two. <laughs> Sniped out my lord next turn, it was all over. Um, so yeah, they had some horrible stuff. But yeah, yeah so what we're going to do... Sorry, Matt. No, I said, yeah, well, they've got a reputation. It's, uh, yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been taken off by plenty of vermin players, so... Uh... Yeah, not on your own there, mate. Not it doesn't help that my two main armies are KOE and Warriors, and they both rely on their armour yeah. to uh, carry yeah. them through. Vermi <laughs> Swarm no. don't care about your armour. Not really. <laughs> so what we're going to do is go through all the units and give them a rating of uh, good, bad, or broken. Um, normally, for most armies, it'd be good or bad, but for the Vermi Swarm, <laughs> there's an awful lot of broken units in here. Yeah. But the most broken thing I think about them is that the safety numbers rule, which I see is sort of a hangover from the days of eighth edition, just because they all have discipline 10. Everything has discipline 10 and they just don't care about leadership at all. And it just gives me a real headache <laughs> trying to shift them. I think of the universal rules. I think it's definitely the best one. I mean, tag along is also good, but, but safety in numbers is, is, you know, I mean, I just can't break them. But um, do you do you rely heavily on that, Craig, or is that something that you you're not you're not so keen on? I mean, I was just looking at your masters list, and it doesn't look like you were going for that in a big way. So it, it is a very good rule, and I agree it could potentially be a little bit of a hangover from from seventh uh, and eighth edition. I think because the tyrant is only leadership seven, and the magisters are only leadership six. Um, I do think it's important if you want to play certain styles of army. So if you wanted to go really infantry heavy with storm vermin or rats at arms or, or so on and so forth, then they are quite important to that. And there's still the fringe models such as gutter runners or globideers or Gisales. They're still going to be the, the lower end of the leadership spectrum. Um, but in terms of my master's list, I, I decided to, I played around with the crown of autocracy for a bit, ended up dropping it and then, I, I just accept that I'm going to fail leadership tests. Ultimately, if you're causing a panic test on one of my units that can panic, I'm going to be leadership six. Um, the only way that that can be avoided is if I've still got a full rank of footpads and they come in tens, so it's unlikely. And even then, it's only leadership seven. And then the rest of my list, I tried to make immune to psychology. And I, I guess that was a list design that sort of went back to my seventh edition orc days where orcs were in a weird place and i felt like you either had to go limit animosity when that used to be a really awful chart to roll on so go heavy on the black orcs or limit the psychological issues that orcs had and that was to take things like squig hoppers and frenzy units and i sort of i debated that in my head and i went right if i go a heavy immune to psychology army i don't really care what legion my general is if i'm not taking tests i don't care so 
it's it's a very strong rule, and it, but I do think it's important because it allows people to play certain styles of armies. If you want to bring two bricks of forty Rasa arms and a brick of storm vermin, it's that rule that lets you do it. Without that rule, you would, you would have blocks of forty panicking off the board on each of six. I'd rather up the discipline of the characters, I think, and do away with the rule. Sure. But, you know, maybe just do something like that or increase the number of ranks you have to have to get uh, increase in discipline. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, the war platforms in the unit. You only need, like, eight guys in that <laughs> unit and you still discipline ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I uh, potentially agree. But, yeah, I hope they do something about that one day, but we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. I mean, I mean uh, as... As the dedicated sort of horde army uh, of the Ninth Age, I guess it makes sense that, you know, in general, your average rat is in general a, a pretty average uh, fighter. And therefore, I guess in general, they need they need that boost, don't they? So it's interesting to to hear your thinking, though, behind your master's list, um, which we'll probably discuss at the end if um, if we've got if we've got time and that's OK with everyone. It's a, it's a very interesting list, I thought. Yeah really is it's yeah. not something you see very often <laughs> no um so do you want to um do you want to go through the weapons kev or do you want to go straight onto units mate um well all i'll say on the weapons uh the plague flail is oh i hate that fucker <laughs> that is broken <laughs> it's the toxic attacks like agility 10 I just oh god that thing's irritating well, it's as, so as a, good. As, warriors, as a warrior player, that's just that's that's a wrecker, isn't it? But uh, oh no, like, yeah, five oh. award against toxic. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we never roll fives up, do we? Can't. No. We, we it's when it. like you know they need a six to wound a monster, and I'd have done it. Of course they have. I'd have got like four, and he's dead. Brilliant. But most of the other <laughs> most of the other things are all right. I have a question yeah. though. The ratlock pistols. Mm. Do they get the? Strep 5 AP3 in combat, or is it just shooting? Just shooting. Oh, that's right. It's not as broken as I thought it was. I thought that applied to uh, combat as well. No, they yeah. just count as a paired weapon in combat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, they're, you, they're a good weapon, though. Do you lean quite heavily on Plague for Flails, Craig, or is that something that, that you um, you bypass? I, I do nowadays, for the, for the first time in a, a long time. I think Plague Disciples, and we'll come on to this when we go through the units, I think Plague Disciples are in a very, very good place. Um, yeah. Which, for external people that aren't Verminsworn players, probably means in a broken place. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Get yeah, out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I do rely on them at the minute. I do think if you wanted to move away from them, if somebody told me I could use no Plague Flails, I still think there's other options in the book. I'm, but the, when we chat about play disciples and i'll expand on that a bit more i guess fair enough Fair enough. yeah all the other weapons i like jezels are good rotary guns yeah never like never it. seen a globe launcher on a table in about five years i think but you know it's not terrible yeah nap for launches can be pretty terrifying it's not something you can underestimate see a lot um, of grinders don't you see a lot of grinders out there and then the um you know getting the impact and the grind attacks i think is uh makes it a very strong option they're really good. They certainly bolster up like a unit of rat at arms if you put one of them in there. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. pretty nice. And they've got like two up armor save as well. It's really good. Nice, my, yeah. my only slight issue with them is that they come out the special choices. And once you've spent your points in core on characters and then the 
the cool toys in inverted commas like doom wheels and cannons and play disciples to find 150 points in special just randomly left over is is tricky yeah 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 and i've I've always liked the hereditary as well i think it's one of the better hereditaries out there um 2d6 strength for ap2 magic missile it's pretty good yeah oh it's not even a missile it's a hex direct damage so uh, yeah even better nice isn't it yeah very nice that's a really good spell that one yeah coming from a coming from my last two armies before skaven and ogres being sylvan elves and beastherds who have probably the two worst hereditaries in the game yes (laughs) it's an excellent hereditary (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Uh, special items I mean, I think most of them are actually pretty good. There's not, there's a couple of bad ones in there. Uh, I've never seen the Swarm Master. Gives you three d six attacks. Three. I've I've got it on a Plague Priest at the minute, so he gets three d six attacks with hatred battle focus. <laughs> so you, you fight a block of elves and just go three d six attacks, thirteen <laughs> hits. It's like it's horrible. Oh, wow, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, that is pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah. It's actually technically, I guess it's it's three d six plus one, isn't it? Because it's paired weapons as well, so it's, that's that's awesome. Yeah, like that, that is that. good. Yeah, and is is Secrets of the Doomblade the only d six uh, multiple wounds in the book uh, in the game? I think it is. Yeah, must be. Must be. What a weapon, though! It's fantastic. Why would? Yeah. I don't know why you would actually take it because it's crazy expensive and you just die. But oh, well, that's yeah. got Kev written all over it. <laughs> exactly. Really Look at it. I've, <laughs> I've actually got it in my Coronacon list for round four. <laughs> I've already submitted. I decided to chuck it in because why not? Why not? Absolutely. Is there anything in there that takes your fancy, Craig? That that um, doesn't get a lot of play, uh, but you know you think might be might be uh, underrated. Yeah, so there's one that I think is really overrated and there's one that I think is underrated. The the overrated one is Second Awakening. I think it's in every list. I think it's okay, but I, I, I've never taken it myself. And I think the underrated one, other than Swarm Master, which I actually think is really good in a play priest, is Scurrying Veil, which is the one that lets you get tiny in March 20. And I think that on something like a Machinist or a Chieftain it gives you a really safe, expendable piece of chaff, but it can also be a multi-purpose bit of chaff, so someone that can shoot or someone that can fight, and it just lets you move a character around really, really easily. Um, I just really like it as an item. Yeah, March rate 20 inches. Check that, that out as well. That is very good. Yeah. yeah. Only 30 points. What a bargain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and you can yeah, like you say, you put that on the machinist and you're you're running around all over the place. You got the the the, the oh yeah, that's that's a good option. So you get the breath weapon on on that guy as well, can't you? Yeah. So yeah, right. Can he use it if right. he marches as well? Yeah, if he's in light troops, if he joins play disciples, yes. Wow, that is good. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You see, these are the sorts of things that I just miss. <laughs> That's, that's why my tournament's over Saturday lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spend a lot of time playing these armies, haven't you? And just trying things out. It's really hard to just read a book and know what's good and what isn't. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Like the lightning rod, you don't see that much anymore. Is it just too many points? Or... Um, 
Maybe, I, again, it's actually in my next Coronacon round list for the first <laughs> time in ages. So I'm just trying things out that I've not tried for a while. But I think... It, it used to be a stalwart of a Skaven yeah, army, that. It used to carry on for more than one turn. Oh, yeah. It, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's okay. I think the flying movement is more important than the hard target. Um, And the fact that artillery is now rolling to hit at minus one with lightning rod rather than it used to be you can only shoot on a four plus so it, yeah it's okay yeah and the only other broken item i think in there's a future protection but that's really only combined with one dude on one particular war platform mm-hmm. other than that i don't think it's actually a you know awful item at all no, it jumped up quite a lot in points in the last update as well, and I think it's it's dropped off a bit since then. Yeah, I agree. It was around all the time before that increase, but I think it went up significantly. I can't remember how much, but it's eighty points now, so it's pretty expensive. Let's just assume that um, there are people out there asking for a friend who don't know what that used to go on to. <laughs> so, what what did you used to see it on then that you don't see it on anymore? It goes on the um, what's it? The plague priest is that what he's called on, oh, on the pendulum, yeah. Yeah, on right, the pendulum. Uh, so it gives him like a two-up armor, right? Yeah. Um, and then every successful armor save is a toxic hit back on the person who did it. So okay. that's really good when combined with him. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Because you can't even just go in there and assassinate him anymore, can you? All right. No. Shocker. Shocker. Right. right should we move on to characters? Yeah. What do you think of the vermin demon, Matt? Uh, it's got a big crosshair written right over its head, mate. My cans are all over that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not a huge fan. I, I see vermin demons and I think points. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not little, terrified a of them. Like, a, a little bit like heralds, to be honest, for me. Um, I think good players can. They're, they're not. They're not. They're not a terrible option, but but I I think they've got. Uh, they've got a bit of an Achilles heel, haven't they? They're, they're gigantic, and they're gonna they're gonna get div magic. They're gonna get cav. They're gonna get uh, they're gonna cannons. They're gonna get shot at. Um, that's that's how I'd see it. But I've got them as good. I don't think they're broken. I think they're a good choice. But yeah, they yeah. do die quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree, Craig? Yeah, I I think they're okay. I mean, for 850 points in a Skaven army, a Wizard Master on Torm is 350. And then you can spend 500 points on two combat units, and that's not just going to get cannoned off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm never fussed when I see them. I've not really ever thought about taking one myself. They're okay. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, so the uh, the reduction in um, tunnel gunners category to 25 percent is that something that would worry you, Craig, or is that something that you can? Yeah. Uh, it depends on the rest of your list, but yeah, I, I potentially agree. It depends on what you want your list to be doing. Um, I, I don't tend to get near that cap anymore, so it wouldn't worry me too much if I did end up taking a Vermin Demon, but at the same time, I, yeah, I don't think it's the best character in the book. Okay, so I think good all round then, yeah? We'd probably put that down as? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a pretty good choice. He's not bad. The Tyrant, not, you know, not, not what he used to be, I don't think, but... He's still good for his points. Yeah, he's, again, he's okay. Uh, <laughs> unless you've got a particular need or role for him, whatever that role is, don't 
see why you'd take him other than Leadership 7 or Doomblade. They're the only two things that he can really bring that nothing else can. If you yeah. want a fighty character, the Plague Patriarchs are probably better. If you want... If you want... I, I, don't, I don't know after that. I mean, unless he's got the Doomblade or he's randomly tooled up for Leadership 7 on a war litter, I don't see why you'd see them. So he's not much better than the Chieftain, really, is he? No. And, uh, yeah... If you want just a cheap character riding about on a monstrous rat, you might as well take a chief rather than a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's easily the best mount anyways, a monstrous rat compared to the other two. Mm. Yeah, the, the Thermingard litter can be really nice because um, it increases your uh, leadership range and it gives you plus two armor, which you can, blind, can combine with putrid plate. So you can get a one-up re-rollable Thermingard litter lord but then he's still just an infantry fighty character that you've invested a lot on his protection, so he's not going to hit that hard. And not many people go charging into that, except for yeah, maybe exactly. me and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I, yeah, I, I don't think the tyrant does anything that you can't get other things to do better uh, for more points, and, and therefore I'm going to... Well, I would personally give that the bad category. I think he's bad. Yeah, I'll go with bad. Oh, and then I can go with that. Cool. But the uh, the next one, I think, is a different kettle of fish altogether. What, the Chief or the Magister? Oh, Chief. Chief. got a lot of good options. You know, he's a bit cheaper and he doesn't lose much compared to the Tyrant, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a pretty good choice for a BSB and give him the uh, thing that means he can hide in the back. He's he's awesome. Great. Best BSB in the game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, does a lot of good stuff. What do you think, mate? Yeah, you're always going to see one as a BSB. I think BSBs are important for Skaven. So, and the fact that they can have that stand behind rule, or they can have a March 20 BSB, for example, you can have some really nice options on it. Um, So you'll always see that BSB. And then I think the other chief that you're likely to see is the Monstrous Rat Chiefs, um, because they're just very good for their points again. It's pretty cheap, isn't it? Only 200 points for that. So, yeah, you I mean, could for, kit him out relatively for th- cheaply. For 310 for shield and heavy armor, you get a four up armor, four at regen, five strength, five from the rat, and a toxic breath, and three strength, four from the top. And you've not spent anything on magic items at that point. And that's only 310. Yeah, I think that's a really strong option. Yeah. That is good, actually. Yeah, I think he's good. I don't think he's broken. I we'll never nope. bloody see them things. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, I, I put that in the good category, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mister Magister, he's a pretty solid uh, caster. I don't really think he, he's broken in any way. He's uh, just does what he does, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen one take witchcraft. Actually, now I'll see the two <laughs> laws he can take. <laughs> they yeah. only ever take thaumaturgy that's it yeah, yeah. Th- thaumaturgy combo is better with uh, the style of skaven and it, he's as you say he's a pretty normal caster he's not incredible he's like the dark elf ones that get plus one for being a master and minus one to dispel for an effective two uh, are good the magister doesn't have that he's still good he's pretty cheap and then the Doom Bell is the only other option on there. I'm really, really not a fan. 
I know some of the Europeans in their metas are a fan, but again, I, you know, if you're looking at the Manchester as a whole, be he a cheap adept or be he an expensive one on a Doom Bill, a Doom Bell, I think they're both pretty okay. The only issue with Doom Bell is you, you end up getting combat, and that's not where you want to be. Yeah, true. It's, or it's just the whole unit that can't get involved in anything, and it's just yeah, not a massive fan of it. No. Well, that answers my question. Um, so good, good because you um, good because you got to have one, I guess. Yeah, I think it. I think it's good. The two choices are laws, even though you only ever see one. I think both are decent laws. So you've got a choice of two good laws, rather than, you know, there are certain laws that I really, really wouldn't want to see on my army. Whereas these are both good. So I'd say good. Oh, can we take a little trip down side road lane then for a moment? All right then, Craig. Worst, worst, uh, worst law then. What's the worst magic law? <laughs> uh, the worst law. It would help if I could remember all ten off the top of my head. I'm really not a fan of druidism. Uh, I understand why it exists and what it does, but it's such a passive law. Yeah, it, I agree. It's just so passive. I'm just not bothered about it every time I play it. There's normally one spell you've got to stop, which is Stone Skin, on yeah. a key combat turn. And other than that, I, yeah, I just find it very, very passive. It's got very, very little reach out and touch you, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I don't it's boring to play with as well. There's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got one spell I want to get off, and you know I want to get that off, and you're just going to stop it. <laughs> I'm going to tickle you with a mountain or maybe some trees or something, and that's about it. The magic missile is so pointless. Yeah. Like, oh, D6 Gen 4 is your only damage. Like, okay, fine. Whatever. It's got a caress of leaves or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's fairly average. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's an interesting little diversion. Thank you. Um, <laughs> right, next next, next punter, then. Um, I think, Kev, we'd agree that uh, where this is going pretty much immediately, wouldn't we? Rack a chip machinist. He's broken as shit. And yet you never <laughs> see him. Like I don't do people not aware how good this guy is or oh, what? It's so good. <laughs> he's a big he's limbs. He can he can fire his breath attack every bloody turn, or he can shoot you with lightning, and he can take pistols and do all that at the same time. Like if, if Clint Eastwood played ninth age, right, he'd be a racketeer <laughs> machinist, right? I mean, the guy, this is awesome. This this might well be the brokenest character that ever there was. <laughs> I I don't disagree. I've loved them ever since I started using them. I I agree. The breath weapon every turn is crazy strong. The lightning coil is good. The pistols are good on them. I, and for 175 points for the pistols, they're dirt cheap. And then. You're doing the shooting and people are like, oh, that's annoying. Oh, I've lost a bit. And then they charge you and they get three <laughs> strength, five attacks in combat and a breath weapon. It's, it's just ludicrous. They're just absolutely ridiculous. And you're also sticking the scurrying veil on that as well. So they're popping up all over the place. Yeah. It's like, it's like whack-a-mole. You've got to stick 500 points in it just to stop it. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, that. Yeah, I'm amazed. I'm amazed we're not just seeing walls of them, to be honest. I yeah. If you look at most American or Europe European lists, they're not seen at all, and I it blows my mind every time. I just yeah, I, I don't understand why people aren't taking two in every single list. I mean, I'm quite happy about it because it means they might stay it's at the current point value. But 
they're yeah. pretty good in combat as well. Res four, four up armor. You know, three attacks with the pistols. Strength yeah. five. They're, they're really good. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah, and in the hands of a good player as well, I bet they are absolutely brutal. Yeah, I they, thought it was the pistols that gave them strength five, but they're actually strength five in combat. For no reason as well. Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I think you're, the other thing that tips them over the edge is that, again, we'll come on to them, but the fact that one of the main units in the book is light troops combat orientated, and then you've got these guys who can shoot and join the light troops and are still very, very good in combat. It just tips them even further. If they could only join NAF units, then their combat perhaps would never be seen. And their shooting would just add to some already decent shooting. Or if they could only join non-light troops, they wouldn't just be able to march around and do what they want. But as it is, they normally are seen in units of light troops who are pushing up into the enemy's face anyway. So they get to do their thing anyway, which is... Yeah, anyway. (laughs) I love them. Don't give it away. We'll get Mm. to that. Mm. yeah well that's um uh, well uh, obviously that's broken isn't it i mean i'd say that's broken to the max i think we actually all agree on that don't we yeah that's great yeah uh and the next guy i don't think i've ever awful. seen the next one. No, yeah i've got him as bad, bad move on. but <laughs> bluff boys i want to love him but, yeah yeah is expensive and you don't really do a great deal. The best thing about this, I reckon, is it's obviously derived from the the, the Jewish assassins of the sort of the, uh, the 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 Middle Ages, isn't it? The Sicaria, which is also an awesome film, and that's why I like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the obvious fix for them, which might make them too strong, weirdly, is the the fact that. At the minute, effects only attacks made with close combat and shooting weapons that are not enchanted means you, you're going to be strength 4 AP4 hitting a character, which isn't normally enough. I, I don't know how to get around that, because I think if you just allow them to take enchantments, it'd be too strong, potentially. Mm-hmm. But even then, I'm not convinced it would be. I, I just think the fact that you're not allowed to enchant stuff means you're never going to see them. And if you compare them to the Dark Elf Assassins as well, the Dark Elf ones have more options, have a cooler synergy with the army, have cooler effects. They're more fun to write, and and they are just better and cheaper. Because you could you could like get blessed inscriptions and hero's heart and stuff, and they'd just be amazing then, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they'd make a real mess. Yeah, yeah, they they they'd make a mess. They remind me of the witch hunter guys because they the shooting's D three as well. But I suppose yeah. only against the character he can't really pick out. So yeah, shame. I want to like mm-hmm. them, but yeah, they're just bad. Yeah, yeah. No, good idea, but yeah, but bad. Um, yeah, fix them, guys. Come on. Mm. Well, well, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll get a boost. And then they save um, the best for last, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Look at this guy. Fucking plague patriarch. Like, yeah, he's the most broken of all the characters i believe i know he's very expensive on the plague pendulum he, a lot of points but god he's hard to kill it's the putrid scholar as well the fact that he could take any spell from occultism and you know there's one spell that you really want to take and you always going to take it you don't even need to take him make him an apprentice i think they are very good i think 
the pendulum guy is obviously very good in himself but i also think the foot guys uh for 155 points for what you get you get an apprentice wizard who's very good at fighting you then spend 30 points on plague flail for 185 you've got a very competent combat character who can pick a number five six spell yeah it's, it's just i i think they're really really good i agree that putrid scholar is stupid and i agree the pendulum is stupid which pains me to say if i'm honest there's there was a running thing for about well ever since i played skaven so about eight years where i've never taken a tower of any type so that's pendulum or doom bell to an event across all the editions of warhammer <laughs> whereas kieran from ireland has always had one in every tournament list and then for CoronaCon that's been ongoing i've put a pendulum in and it's been incredible and i'm like oh no <laughs> what have i missed out on oh i've missed out on eight years of pendulum goodness uh, yeah i don't know how to beat them i'm probably going wrong because i keep charging them and trying to kill them in combat and i think that's not how you beat them you just leave them alone and avoid them like the plague yeah i i really struggled when i was using ogres over the last etc cycle about uh, killing pendulums i was like every time i played scaven i was like i'm fine against the whole army other than that one model and i don't know what to do about it um i think unless you have artillery which is the obvious answer to it it, it's it's hard work i think it's a very very strong model yeah anything to add matt uh only that i don't know what to do about them (laughs) (laughs) in the same boat yeah I try to dodge them and shoot cannons at them, but frankly, I've never found the answer. So I'm just—I was interested to to hear that Craig say, you know, that he struggles. If you're struggling with them, mate, I feel much. Better. <laughs> the, the main way that I found of actually killing them is, well, there's two ways of doing it. One is to just beat them on combat res and hope they fail the test. Which once you've got rid of the supporting unit around them, it's leadership six, unless there's you know a, a tyrant or a and even around the other way is to front and flank it and the thing in the front has to be a an absolute tank of some sort it could literally be a tank if you're playing empire or it could be a character with a really really good save who's really tough and then whatever you've got in the flank can you know can again add to that combat res stop the steadfast and so on and so forth and well the steadfast is mad because it's stubborn so that was a stupid comment but yeah you've either got it's to get it into the units or or just break it and neither of them are particularly great it's the only model that's made me ever consider the spell speaking in tongues from uh thaumaturgy which is the no bsb and no general bonus because in my head i'm like if i stop the bsb reroll i'm more likely to break it from combat and that's the only hope i've got it's the yeah. only model where that spell has ever i've ever considered that spell <laughs> i don't think i've ever taken that one actually yeah, I guess that would give you uh, the first time that you'd ever take Portent to Doom. I've never taken Portent to Doom either, for example, but I guess that would be the sort of opportunity to, to take that. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm at a bit of a loss as to how to stop pendulums as well. So um, I'm glad to hear that, that everyone else finds it tricky as well. <laughs> yeah, we're not alone. We're not completely rubbish, Matt. Yeah. Anything <laughs> else in the mounts that you, you like to look off? Um, I like the monstrous rat. I think he's probably the best one out of the ones you can get. But yeah, the vermin help bodyguards trash. I would never bother with him. Um, the litter's good because you know it can give you a one-up armor, so that's pretty unusual in the Skaven army. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and it gives yeah. you the presence as well, doesn't it? Which is, I guess, kind of nice for the bubble. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, again, if I was essentially, I'd go, I'd go play fake pendulum broken, monstrous rat, good stroke broken. Can't decide. And the the other two I'd put in the bad category. But, um, maybe I'm being bold on that. I don't know. Uh, I think I'd agree. I think the monster rat is good just because it's only got four wounds. So I think if it was five, that would almost tip it into broken, which sounds odd for one wound difference. But a lot of things like cannons do D3 plus one, and the amount of times it just dies in one shot is saddening. Um, <laughs> whereas I think the, the Vermigard litter is okay. I think it's just too expensive. I actually think it, it in itself is good, but for its points cost, it, it falls off a bit. Um, I agree that the Vermin Hulk is bad, and then the Doom Bell confuses me. I would call <laughs> it bad, but it might actually not be. The increased range of your spells is pretty nice. The minus one offensive and defensive skill to enemy units is pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's not bad. But yeah, it gives you a four up ages, and that's nothing to sniff at. Let, let's your general be cannoned. There is that. <laughs> Does it increase your leadership bubble as well if he was your general? Uh, yeah, because you're towering presence. Yeah, so 18... Yeah, yeah it's just... Uh, I don't know. I'll probably just take him on foot running about at the back on his own or, you know, in a bunker rather than on a doom bell. I agree. Right, should we do core then? Sure. Right, rat at arms. Um... I like the little buggers and I miss them. I, they were the best thing about Skaven Army back in the day. <laughs> All the clan rats running about. <laughs> That's what it should be. Just hordes and hordes of like, you know, ridiculously cheap shit units just running about. But you just don't see them anymore. And it makes me sad. Yeah. I Unless you're taking a, a meat grinder, there's no point in them. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. If, if you have a meat grinder, they're a decent unit. If they don't, why would you not just take either Plague Brotherhood or Footpads or Vermingard or something else. There's no... You've just got yeah. better units, haven't you, in core that yeah. they won't ever see the light of day as long as they're in core. Pretty much. Which, Pretty is why, which is why I said about the meat grinder coming out special. I think if there was a way that it could be an upgrade to a Rats Arms unit, but maybe like a mini meat grinder that is 2d3 rather than 2d6, I think you would start seeing Rats Arms a bit more because they would actually have a purpose which is to be that that um that bunker for a mini meat grinder rather than you know having to spend special points to make your core unit better which is essentially what the meat grinder is yeah but i still prefer them to vermingard myself or maybe i'm missing out on something but i just think the vermingard are quite expensive for what they are yeah still rats they still die um i i think if you go vermingard you you see them in one of two styles you either see them as a a lightning rod holder and a unit of 20 yeah uh, or you have to go all in and take a big unit of 40 45 put a couple of fighty characters in there that's maybe where you see the war lifts a tyrant coming through but that's a lot yeah. of points though isn't it yeah exactly but yeah it's coming out of course so it's not the that's true the worst <laughs> thing, but i agree it's a lot of points for a unit that is ultimately a glorified strength for rat <laughs> So would you pick Vermingard over Rat at Arms then? Personally, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Well, 
I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from zero experience here, but just listening to what you guys were saying, yeah, I mean, vermin guards seem to make a much stronger uh, stronger case, don't they? Agility five is quite nice as well on them. I just think eleven points a model is really expensive. I really miss the old um, I can't remember what it was called in Ninth Age, but the old vermin brew that you used to be able to take on chieftains, where before the game you rolled on a one or a two, they got uh, something like d6 strength four hits, but they gained poison or something on a three to four they gained lightning reflex on a five or six they gained something else i can't remember what the three effects were that that was just me sort of guessing um and it it meant that your elite unit had this extra random effect before the game that that actually meant it was worth taking as a as a brick because you had this unit 40 it might have poison it might have lightning reflexes it might have whatever whatever the other rule was you didn't know what that was going to be before the game and you had to pay for the brew out of your character allowance on your chieftain, but it made it feel like a sort of elite unit rather than a guy with a halberd, which is essentially yeah. <laughs> Very true. So you reckon Rat at Arms bad, Vermigal good? Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah. I just love the Rat at Arms myself, so I'd like to call them good. <laughs> but I can understand why people don't take them, honestly do. Is it is it still? I mean, is there an element here as well of uh, if you take rat at arms, you're going to be painting until your arm falls off as well? Because, <laughs> uh, you're going to be painting forever on those guys. Aren't you? There's a worse unit coming up for that, Pembroke. <laughs> <laughs> right, the Plague Brotherhood. Then um, I gotta say, I don't think they're broken, but I think in core they're broken, just because of the fearless and scoring and. You can just take a small unit of 20, whack them out on the flank, and they're going to do the business. I just think I, they're really good. I, I think they're good. I agree they are very good for a scoring unit, but I think if you compare them to other armies' fearless units, for example, things like Witch Elves, Witch Elves are easier to shoot, but in combat, they go through play Brotherhood. Um, I think they are very good. I think they're a very good scoring option, and it means you don't have to play a really, really tight scoring bubble which yeah. otherwise you would have to. So it gives you the option to deploy a bit wider and, and sort of have an army that actually can cover the board rather than cover a 12-inch bubble. Um, I, I agree that as a scoring core unit, they're on the top end. I'm, I would put them in good, not broken, but I, I can see why people would maybe disagree with that. Do you think the frenzy uh, makes them not... Uh, not 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 broken as opposed to good because I mean I can imagine if you're going to play them outside the bubble and out wide and stuff then then they could be baited. Yeah, you're more likely to fail the test even if you have all twenty. Um, so yeah, they can, they can easily be baited. There's certain things they can easily fight, but as soon as anything with armor is up against them or high yeah. toughness, you're going to struggle. If you're fighting anything toughness four or five or anything with a two or three up armor they're gonna lose that combat and if you're playing them out wide in the bubble let's say you even just kill one plague monk and win the combat they're gonna test on leadership seven and you know they're not gonna hold their own in most fights if they're being baited that is the hatred of battle focus i fought them and they've ended up getting like more hits on me than (laughs) they even started with and they just murder me but in the in the normal formation you see which is five wide four deep they get 15 strength 3 hatred battle focus attacks, which means they get about 15 hits. Yeah. 
We're just is... going free of AP zero as well, so they yeah. shouldn't do much. So it it just depends what they're fighting against things like naked elves or uh, skinks or stuff like that. They're amazing, but I mean, just to keep, keep that soaring theme alive against uh, against Saurus, they're not very good because the toughness four and the armor save on Saurus means that the Plague Brotherhood lose. So it, it depends what they're fighting. They are very good and. Yeah, they they are very good, but they have their weaknesses. Yeah, I, I I think I think a good good label on them is a pretty fair one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go along with that then. Fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just think they're the best unit you have in core, definitely. I think they're the second best. Oh, okay. Controversial. Then we've got uh, slaves next, which uh, you used to see all the time in eighth edition, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, I miss, about. miss them. <laughs> yeah, now I don't think I, I don't think I've seen slaves in about four years. I used two units for my first ten games of my current stint with Skaven, uh, which was straight after ETC basically, and I have not debated putting them back in since because they're awful. They the only unit they have any synergy with in the army book is grenadiers, which are not a very well seen unit. I, I've probably used more grenadiers than most other people, and I think slaves are trash. What's what's changed with them? Then why are they suddenly no good anymore? The uh, the differences in how Skaven shoot into combat are quite significant, um, especially things like grenadiers. So they're not as easy to shoot into the combats with anymore, and things like war machines and doom wheels can no longer shoot into the combats, which. You know, it's one of the things you used to see a lot in 8th edition was, uh, I've got you know, my slaves fighting, whatever, I'll shoot a cannon into the combat. Which, yes, is stupid, I agree. But it was part of the reason they were seen. Them blowing you don't up, do that anymore, no? Doom wheels and uh, cannons aren't callous, so they cannot shoot ah, into the combat. I didn't um, know that. All the other stuff can, but obviously if you chuck, like, well, anything... Into, into slaves then they, they can't be shot by your main shooting units which was probably their main use back in 8th um, they, they also used to blow up in 8th which was fun but that's gone but <laughs> yeah they used to do this sort of squigs go wild thing don't they yeah, which, yeah. Uh, used to be fun but yeah mm. so yeah. Uh, slaves bad then yeah it's just yeah. bad and then foot pads. So I'm guessing this is your favourite unit, is it then, Craig? Amazing. Um, I think for their points, so 140 of a musician is is the go-to. A movement 6 slash 12 scoring unit is good in itself. Uh, fast scoring units are always fun. To then have an inbuilt shooting weapon that is range 18, hits on a 3 plus, and is quick to fire is really good. It means Excellent. I take four units of 10 in pretty much every list. And it means I, if somebody's running at me, I have 40 strength three shots <laughs> that hit probably on a four plus at long range. It's, you know, it's only strength three cheating, but, it, you know, it adds up. And the fact that they're so unimportant to how the list works means they very rarely get targeted. So, yes, they fail leadership quite a lot when they get forced to take it. But people don't tend to target them because there's other stuff in a Skaven list. And they tend to just be able to sit slightly behind the line go for the objectives late in the game. They're fast enough to get there. 
their utility early in the game because they can shoot. If somebody kills them, I don't care. They're 140 points. Yeah, I think they're a, a solid choice, really. They're... I mean, they're like a much better version of the Empire Militia, aren't they? They uh, and their scoring. Um, yeah, I think that I think they're a really, really solid, solid unit. I, yeah. I also like the opportunity to Vanguard on them. I don't often take it, but I think, again, it lets you have a unit that does something a little bit different. Um, but I don't tend to take it, but it's a nice option to have. I think you should always take at least one unit of them anyway, not two. I mean, yeah, I, I take four every list because, <laughs> you know, four units. I've got six scoring in my right. current list, and the four units of foot pads with musicians are 560 points which yeah. is less than half my core allowance, and I've got four scoring units and 40 strength three shots. Okay, that's another really good opportunity for us to just step off the VS pathway for a second. How many scoring units do you think you need in a list per se? Now, obviously it depends, but um, um, do, you, do, do, you, do you have a, 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 a sort of a theory on this, or is this uh, something that's, that's, that's faction dependent? I, I I agree it's faction dependent, but I also don't think it really matters. Uh, I think, so my ETC Ogre list I took last year had three units of three tribesmen as my scoring, and that was it. And I was pretty yeah. confident of winning the scenarios, and it just meant that I could focus my list better. In terms of this game and this has six scoring, there's two Plague Brotherhoods and four footpad units. They fit well into what my army wants to do anyway, so I'm not detracting from a focus from my list, and it happens I get six scoring that way. So I, I just think it depends on what you're building your list to do. Obviously, three is the minimum that you want, but I wouldn't try and force more scoring in at the cost of making my list worse. But the fact that I've ended up with six scoring in a list that I'm happy with is also quite nice. Um, and I guess the final thing on that is skaven have other than slaves they only have scoring units in course you're always going to have a number of scoring whereas if you look at lists such as um such as maybe orcs and goblins where you can take wolf riders in core that's perhaps a pretty poor example but lists where you can take non-scoring in core you're probably going to cost yourself scoring so my ogres only had three because i had units of eight saber tusks in my core yeah um, no, I can see the logic there. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Okay, right, so back onto the VS path then, Kev. Onto uh, specials now, with uh, a lot of interesting choices in the specials, I think. But we start off with giant rats. Um, I like giant rats. I think they're pretty <coughs> good. You know, if they're not amazing, I don't. I'm not sure if they're bad or good, but they're interesting. They're cheap. <laughs> See what you can take. 140 points, get 20 of them, whack them in core. That is the way to do it. Um, yeah. I I think, yeah, I think a unit of 20 in core is a really nice piece of chaff to have for it. I think it's 150 for 20. Um, you got the Swiss Stride Finesse ranks. They can actually fight. A really nice piece of chaff. 150 points in core is fine for chaff. And, you know, they have a musician built in. They have Swift Reform. Oh, They're sorry. quick. They fight better than my peasants do. So, yeah. yeah they, f- they fight better than slaves do, which is another reason why you never see slaves. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I-, I think they're decent. They get a cheeky swift reform as well for no reason. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like them. I think they're good. I agree. But they're just in a tight category, aren't they? We've got to compete with a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we get on to uh, Matty P's favourite mm-hmm. unit. The uh, Plague Disciples. Go on, Matt. You can uh, field this one. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. I've got so many sad stories to tell about this. Um, but the, um, the, the, when you're playing anything with, with armour on this, of course... Uh, I mean, the number of times I've just been, I've gone into stuff thinking, I'm going to go straight through this. And it hasn't worked out the way I planned. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, this, this, this for me, uh, when you you start looking at it, the, okay, light troops, number one, they're so mobile. Fearless, again, fantastic. But then hard target as well. So I can't even shoot them off. And then when they get in, obviously they're doing their initiative step 10 uh, toxic hits. But then they get hatred and battle focus. I mean, you could easily take, of that list, which is what, six or seven things we just talked about there? If you took two out, I still think these would be broken as they stand. (laughs) They're they're just like, uh, they're like, this is the Everest of brokenness, in my opinion. Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it helps when we play warriors and we're like well there's only one way we're beating these guys and that's by charging them in the face and uh, it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. work <laughs> uh, if you don't i mean uh, with empire as well i mean these are the these are the, the bane of my 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 life when it comes to vs but they are so good um I can imagine that tons of light shooting would make a mess of them i guess if you get silver nails you're going to lose them straight away but um I, I think this I think this is one of the best units in the game, personally. I absolutely agree. Getting bruised courage from Plague Brotherhood as well, you know. Yeah. That just makes them really good as well. If they do if they lose combat, it's not by very much when they do, so they often stick about for a second round. I mean if I was to cast my eyes over, for example, Craig Johnson's Masters list, <laughs> I'd, see, <laughs> I'd see three times twelve of these fellows, and there's a there's a presumably an excellent reason. Um, that number has gone up in the last uh, <laughs> in my, my Coronic on this my, my Skaven list at the minute uh, I tend to start from the bottom up I, I tend to know what I'm having in core and I, I tend to start from the bottom up and 3 times 15 disciples is usually the first thing on my list with the knowledge that I can scale them back to 14s but a unit of uh, 15 is 309 points which is absolutely mental is is absolutely crazy how good they are i completely agree there are certain models and certain units they can't fight but they are few and far between um you, you mentioned there against silver nails i actually played silver nails in the ub tournament last game and i still had two units of played disciples left at the end of the game because skaven drops so many threats and these guys are hard targets you have to prioritize where your shooting's going they, they can drop quickly to pyro magic but you have three units and even if all three units die that's 927 points and who cares because that's not actually that many points in the grand scheme of things um and, and on top of that we we chat about machinists being broken before and if, you know this is the combat i'm in love with in the minute is two machinists you need 15 blade disciples i think it's uh <laughs> How many points is that? 659 points. Um, it shoots incredibly well, and I think it's one of the best combat units in the game. And it's only 659 points. And then I 
been playing a foot plague patriot with a swarm master in there as well just to you know really push <laughs> it over the edge because who wants to play fun units but i agree they're incredible i think they have very little weakness there's a few units i said they don't want to fight what are those units i'd love to know strangely it's is typically big multi-wound stuff so things like feldrax things like well tree men to an extent because they've got the ward save and the thunderstorm means that they often lose the combat i agree you don't always lose the combat by a lot and then you potentially lose a tree man in the second round anyway um things like uh, giants they they don't tend to go through giants straight away and the giant obviously to, uh, powers up on them doing all yeah. this stuff first so it, it generally is big multi-wound models which if you're playing against skaven skaven have the tools to deal with those models usually um for, for stuff later in the book but yeah i i there's not too much I to think, say about Blade Disciples other than that they are probably one of the best units in the game. And I think, I that think it's the just... uh, point you made earlier was a really important one as well. It's, it's not just that, that, that they are so good. It's that you're trying to deal with so many other targets at the same time yeah. that they perhaps aren't occupying target slot number one. And therefore, you're going to have to deal with them in combat. And, and so, I mean, even if you're, you know, even if you're sort of got high quality uh, shooting, like let's say you're playing Sylvans or something, you've probably got higher priorities to deal yeah. with, and and therefore they're getting into your face. And and if you if you lose one unit, yeah, and then you got three men in, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think they're fantastic in every way. I just to reiterate what you said, my masters list, and I know we'll chat about it later. It's got two Doom Wheels and two Monstrous Rats in. The Plague Disciples are not near the top of the target list for most people. If people are casting a Magic Missile, such as like Hand of Heaven, for example, it's not the Plague Disciples. Um, because they're just not a, an attractive target. It's 14 wounds, well, 15 wounds for 309 points compared to a, a Doom Wheels, five wounds for 340 points. So it's no surprise that they're not target priority number one, but it does just mean that they end up being quite safe in the list. I've made the mistake many a time of putting my shooting into the Plague Disciples, trying to win them down, not doing very much, and then still having two Doom Wheels running about. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, they're a nightmare. It's a hard target. Take away the hard target, and I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as they are now. Yeah. I mean, it's even, even with Pyro, you know, I mean, the, the res four makes a big difference because um, obviously, you know, that then you're largely wounding on fours, aren't you? But it's um, yeah, it's just they've got everything, um, everything that you'd want in, in in that unit. The only thing they haven't got, which I sometimes sort of, you know, sort of drop into the, oh, are they scoring as well? <laughs> if they were I wish. Scoring, that would, they'd just be like insane wouldn't they but um other than that i think that might well be as 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 you say craig i think that might well be one of the best uh combat units in the game oh absolutely we all agree then broken yeah i think they're bad oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they need a buff they're not good enough anymore yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah broken for me i'm afraid nerf them <laughs> right uh vermin oaks i i think they're bad yeah, I 
just don't really see much of a use for them. The only good thing they got is they're scoring and fearless again, like the plague disciples. But yeah, I mean, at least they're res five now. I mean, they used to be toughness four back in the day. Yeah, I think the the main synergy that vermin hulks have is with doom bells, and obviously doom bells aren't a first choice thing. Uh, the doom bell just means that they're low offensive and defensive is sort of offset. The yeah. the issue I said is that it's 310 points for four vermin hulks. 15 plague disciples is 309 points. That <laughs> that is that is the reason you don't see them is because yeah there's good options in the book. You have to take core. You have to take characters. You have to probably take some of the either built and bred or tunnel gunners. You end up on your special and you go. I've got points to spend. Would I rather spend 310 points on four vermin hulks or 309 points on 15 disciples? And there's only one winner in that, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone can argue against that. Uh, I think one of, the... The other re- one of the other reasons why I, I, I don't rate them is, is in a list where, where it's in a faction that, that essentially is, is, is likely to be operating some sort of cohesive battle line. These are one of the few options that you've got where you can actually burst through. Um, yeah. by going in um, certainly whenever I'm playing VS if they've got hulks in there that's where I'm going to put my alpha strike uh, that's, that's where the that's where my chosen lord with the wrath warriors are going because um, if I can get through and then turn I've got a fighting chance um, so I, I mean I, I, I would I would discount them on that alone yeah are thunder hulks worth the upgrade no no this is a bit expensive <laughs> what they do as well I, if, hobby if, size, if, you do really, if you do really, really want a nap for thrower or a rotary gun, just, just, just take a weapon team. Yeah. And from a hobby side, having them as different base sizes to the base version, it's just annoying. Oh, this is our pet hate, isn't it, mate? Yeah. I know why they've done it, because I think that's what the old GW models yeah. are on 50mm bases, aren't they? But it's just, just irritating. Yeah. Okay, bad all round then. Sorry, yeah, guys. Uh, yeah, in a horde army, you don't want monstrous infantry, really, do you? Not unless it's minotaurs. I, yeah, I, <laughs> there's, there's even more reasons. Like, for example, if you've got bolt throwers, all of a sudden they're a really obvious target for bolt throwers, which the army doesn't have once you've killed the doom wheels. So they just give it a target that might not be there already, and they're just naff. Just naff. Yeah. Um, I think the best solution I've seen to fixing them is to give them something similar to the mercenary veterans in the ogre list where they can have a choice of upgrades. So for, for Skaven, that'd be a choice of mutations. I think, for example, if you could have a unit that is poison, that might be a little bit more interesting, but I, they don't they don't bring anything to the army. So there's no point in looking at them. I think if there were different upgrades that were special to the army, then you might see them, and if, for example, you could have a unit that was Movement 7 and Swift Stride, then people could use the old Wolfhound models, um, which people have been asking for in the Skaven Forum for a while. But in their current state, there is no reason to take them. Yeah. All right, then, uh, Rat Swarm's next. I don't think I've ever seen a Rat Swarm, ever. I think they're good. I think the tiny rule on Movement 12 Chaff is really underrated. I think the other issue is they come out special when you can get chaffing core, but it's a really safe piece of chaff that you don't have to think about your placement of. 
So I think if you're not used to using chaff and you've decided to play Skaven, I think they're really worth looking at because if you put them in the wrong place, it literally doesn't matter because you can just move through your own stuff. <laughs> um, I used to use them in 8th. I've not actually used them in ninth, but they're one of the safest bits of chaff you can have because of the tiny rule. They... So you can just hide them behind one of your own units and then when the time comes, lob them out 12 inches through your own unit. Yeah, it means you don't have to think about how to use the chaff yeah. because... I mean, it's it's the same as having flying chaff, essentially, but they're, they're, they're safe chaff, but they're in an army that has plenty of chaff, and that the special section is is very biased towards one unit. Yeah. I'd like to see someone take uh, ten of them in one go. That'd be good. He sometimes... Uh, Andy Catlow runs them a few times. I've seen him use them fairly. Oh, uh, yes, he does, actually. Yeah. I have fought them, yes. Yeah. The problem is when you do fight them, they just die. They just melt them, though. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, as Craig says, you're going to stick them in behind. You get, they're 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 a, a low intellectually demand uh, unit, aren't they? And that that's um, that's right up my street. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just to just to carry on with a points comparison of 309, 310 for disciples and vermin hulks, a unit of ten rat swarms is 314 points. Wow. So, you know, if you if you want to swap out, you know, 15 play disciples, <laughs> you get 50 <laughs> moves of rats. No one would ever suspect that. They'd never see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. What do you reckon there? Bad or good? Like contextually bad. Yeah. They have a they're, use. I, I, I don't actually think they're bad, but I think in the context of the book, they're bad. Okay, yeah, yeah I think it, I think if I had access to something like that, they'd probably be good. But but as as I think there's so many more options that that push it into the bad category. Yeah. Right, uh, meat grinder. I like it. I like yeah, it, it a lot. The uh, this two up armor. It does two d six strength three strength four grind attacks. I I think they're really good. I I said my issue with them earlier is that they come out special, which it's a biased category because there's one option that outshines the rest, which makes it quite boring writing lists sometimes. Um, I do think they're very good. I think they give uh, your core units that aren't first choice uh, a potential to be first choice. I think they're good. They can only join Rat at Arms, is that right? They can't join the Vermin Guard, but they can use Vermin Guard's leadership. Uh, I believe so. This is what it looks like. But, uh, would you run them on their own, or would you always just have them if you had a unit of rat at arms? I'd always want them in a unit, so I'd always want them in a unit of rat at arms, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are nice, but there's just better options, isn't there, really? Do you agree, Matt? Is he there? Yeah, you don't see them very often. Well, you don't see them very often, to be honest, but it's... Um... Uh, when I, I mean the, the impacts and the grinds, I think make a make a good point. But um, I think they're coming out of a category where you've got so many other fantastic options, aren't they? Yeah. The next I think is probably the worst what choice, sadly. Gutter blades. I just don't really see a use for them, to be honest. <laughs> I've uh, I've got three units in my Corona <laughs> list. <laughs> I'm sure you'll make them work, Craig. But I think if I, I use them, they'd be dead. <laughs> I think they. They bring something really, really different 
uh, to the list. I they're the only thing that have an alternate deployment, which is good in my opinion. I think they become too obvious a target for things like magic missiles. However, at their points, so I've got five with ambush, which isn't very many. There are 150, and it's just a really obvious 150 points for people to target, especially at leadership seven. Um, I used to take them a lot more in eighth and early ninth, but then they used to also have tail weapons, so they used to be a lot better in combat. So they used to have two attack, uh, they used to have three attacks, sorry, in combat rather than two, which doesn't sound like a lot, but between that and the wider formation of skirmishes not contracting anymore actually is quite bad because they used to be able to flank things like zombies and you could go through a zombie unit in two turns whereas now that just doesn't happen um i i i do really want to try them out which is why i'm trying three units out because some games they're just golden but i think they're just too expensive if i'm honest um to get a decent sized unit of nine is just potentially well it's too many points in my opinion it's 250 for nine which is a very fragile unit for 250 points. Yeah. Didn't uh, they used to have an Aegis save? Uh, six up dodge, yeah. Yeah, we got rid of that. <laughs> oh, I remember dodge, yeah. <laughs> it? yeah. I, I, I like to think they have a use, and I, I agree they're not seen very much, and again, I think that is contextual based on the combination of Tunnel Gunners and Plague Disciples eating up points, but I don't think they're bad and I I might change that opinion after a couple of games with my current list, but we'll see. <laughs> they're definitely a use for them, I think, with Ambush especially. Yeah, as I said, they're the only unit that has that alternate deployment. Um, you don't have night like a night runner unit that can ambush anymore, like the old rules. You don't have any other form of different deployment. So if you play against Skaven at the minute, and on the assumption they don't have gutter blades, it's a very... You know, you know, you know what to expect from deployment. You don't need to think about what they're doing necessarily, because there's no scout ambush or anything like this. Whereas these potentially make your opponent think, okay, there's three units coming on as ambush. Do I deploy differently? And from playing Beastman a lot, those thought processes that your opponent goes through do often make your opponents play differently, um, which can sometimes be worth the points alone. Yeah. I think maybe with an assassin in there, it could be. Secret filth? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much shot down. <laughs> for reasons we spoke about for assassins earlier, and yeah, I, it just panic off, wouldn't they? It just come it. on with them, we get shot off and run. Just, just as an aside, the uh, Corona Cup that's um, that's ongoing at the moment, Craig. How are you getting on? Have you played your round one game, etc. And uh, uh, so Corona Con. Chronicoms had three rounds. Oh, okay. Uh, so there's two rounds left. I am currently in... I'm on 40 points out of 60. Uh, and I am about 13th, I think, somewhere around there. And I'm actually playing a Skaven off next round. So um, we deserve each other, is what this talk has <laughs> told me. But, um, yeah. yeah. D- just going back to one thing on Gut Runners as well. Um, just... Uh, Sorry, I managed to remind myself halfway through saying a sentence for somehow. Ambushing units are one of the best chaff units in the game if you're playing near a board edge. Um, the fact they can come on and be 12 inches away from the board edge 
having not been able to be targeted before and not where your opponent's seen chaff make them up is really, really good. So if you are ever playing with ambushing units and you're pushing into your opponent, the ambushing units can easily be one of the best chaff units in the game. Not something I ever thought about, to be honest, but yes, you raise a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, what, what rating are we giving them then? Good? Bad? I want to say good, but it's a demo. It's, I assume this podcast is a democracy. It might not be, actually. I never asked. Um, <laughs> You're the expert. I think we, we listen to experts. Yeah, we're, we're totally deferring to you. We are, we, are, we are talking about VS here. I'm not sure democracies. It's, mu- it's mu- much more of a totalitarian dictatorship, really. Ca- really Council of the 13 was a thing, wasn't it? <laughs> that, was a, that was a fair and balanced democracy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you have to let us know how to get on in the uh, Corona Cup, and yeah, then, uh, yeah, we can make a decision. Right, tunnel gunners, um, weapons teams first. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. I just think they're too many points, really. I think they're too many points in a congested category. Yeah, there's a lot of good yeah. stuff in there. Oh, yeah, bad. Uh, the best one out of the three is probably Nap Launcher. The rotary gun's good. Uh, I yeah. I the issue with the Nap Throw is it's just a straight two d six rather than two d six times two, which means if you flub a roll, you have very few shots. Um, but you auto hit. So you don't auto hit? Does it not? Oh, is it no. a two up? It hits. No, you ignore to hit modifiers from covering hard target, but you still take all the other stuff. So. Oh, you're only hitting a four up there. Yeah. Take it all back. Take it all back. They're bad. (laughs) Yeah, the opposite (laughs) bad. I just know when I've been using peg knights that they kind of scare me a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Things like that, they they do scare. There's a few units in the game that they do really, really scare, but the chances are, unless they roll hot, it's not going to matter. Yeah, but I suppose at least most people don't bother shooting these things off because... Get, there's just better things to shoot at isn't there so they tend to stay alive a bit longer than they should yeah but like for example you said with your your peg knights there it is a target that the naphtha would probably want to shoot at but the naphtha is only ap1 so yeah, it has to get lucky point. on the amount of shots lucky on the hits three up to wound lucky on the armor get through the ward and then do the d3 and yeah that can, that can do like nine wounds if three sneak through but it can also just as easily do zero yeah good point uh yeah i've never seen the globe launcher on a table nope. ever <laughs> this is a shame but yeah just too expensive i don't think they're worth it no i, do... I, I, I don't rate them either i think they're um i think they're a bit of a liability to rise some, sometimes i mean i can see they they, they they sort of flatter to uh to deceive a bit don't they i think yeah. um but yeah, they can I, be I, really I good chaff as well to be fair um yeah Especially the globe launch is probably the best chaff out of the lot because it can shoot from behind your unit and then can be used as chaff. But oh, that's not the point in them. Like if you're looking at a unit in a category called tunnel gunners and going, oh yeah, it can be good chaff, then <laughs> it's probably probably not fulfilling the role it should be. Yeah. What about the uh, multifocal eyepiece artifact that you could take? Um, um no. <laughs> it's, I, again, it's okay, but. It's a range of three inches, so it seems a bit that's a bit short, really. 
Yeah, my machinists tend to be swanning off on their own. Yeah, they don't want to be babysitting a nap throw on the hope, hit, you know, on the hope it might actually do something. Yeah. Right, Jezel's next. I love them. I think they're great. Oh, I think these guys are brilliant. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I've been on the been on the the, the bad end of a few of these. I think they're they're, they're top quality. I think they're good. Um, I have a love hate relationship with them in that uh, mechanically, in terms of how they work in game, they've not changed since seventh edition. They are literally the exact same as they always have been um, in doing toxic hits themselves and strength six and all this. I, I they've come in and out of my list over the last eight years. I've never been in love with them, but I've never hated them. I think they're decent and they always have been. Do I think they're amazing at the minute? No. Do I think they're bad? No. I think they're good. Um, I tend to find one or two units in my list because I get to the end of my list and I go, I've got 120 points spare. Took a unit of Giselles, but. They're not the first thing on my list, but they're okay. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, I think they um they they establish a bit of a a sedentary sort of passive gameplay. When you when you see a list that's got a lot of Giselles, you think right, they're not going anywhere. Um, but uh, I, I I do rate their output. But I, I, again, it goes back to that that sort of you know it, when you're playing against the BS, it's such a target rich environment that mm-hmm. they're so low down the the priority list that they tend to get away with a lot of stuff that normally you wouldn't you you know you wouldn't let people be getting away with. But um, I, I can see why they I can see why they're useful. But equally, there's probably probably better options as well. Uh, and I and I think it I, I think it makes you a bit passive. But I yeah I, I agree with the passive thing. I think it's uh, I think they can be quite list dependent. I think they're seen in most lists, but I think they really shine in a static list. If you've got I don't know something like a doom bell for the heavy magic a couple of cannons and then Giselles, you've got that static style of list, then they're good. But most Gaven lists at the minute aren't that static shooting list. So, yeah, I think they're good. My only gripe with them, which no one else would give a shit about, is the Pavise. Get rid of it. I don't think you should have it. My, my, <laughs> my peasant crossbows want a Pavise or something. You know, I don't see why these guys get it. Just model some uh, Pavises on your peasant crossbows and be like, whoa. They've got them. Yeah, exactly. They've got them. Give me a four up armor against shooting you bastards. Come on. But yeah, with that, it's just another reason not to shoot them and shoot something else. Yeah. Maybe if they didn't have that, you'd be like, well, might actually chuck something at them. And they got two wounds, so they're just a pain in the ass. But yeah, yeah, there is better stuff in this category. I mean, by the time I finish worrying about Doom Wheels and and um, <laughs> uh, Disciples and stuff, I mean, these guys are just—they're not even featuring on my target rotor, and um, that's—and they get away with a lot. Uh, I think I think they're good. I'd put them in the good category. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think good to broken myself, but uh, it depends. If you got like a lone character running about, them guys are pretty dangerous, and they can certainly do some damage. Um, but yeah, maybe you shouldn't run characters about on their own. <laughs> When will you learn? <laughs> Never. <laughs> uh, all right, Grenadiers then. Uh, they used, to, they used to be all the rage, didn't they? A couple mm-hmm. of years ago, used to be, everyone had them. Every yeah. model was suddenly a Grenadier, <laughs> even if it wasn't carrying a little ball anymore. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they've just gone off the boil now. I don't, I don't yeah, really they, understand. What yeah, and the people stopped taking them, but um, not not Craig. So what you thinking, mate? So. I have actually recently stopped taking them, so I, I think they're good. The 
I took three units to ETC when they used to be all the rage, when they were really good. And they used to be, they used to hit on a three plus for a start. And then they used to re-roll their randomization checks. So oh, yeah, I remember now. I mean, they they were just crazy accurate at shooting enemies in combat. So you used to see things like slaves, where it was more you're much more likely to you know start hurting the enemy. And they used to be 12 inch range. Since then, they've dropped to eight inch range. They've dropped to a four plus to hit, and the callus rule has changed to a three plus. So you've got essentially a, a drop of three things they're shooting which is fine i understand why i do think they're probably too good before when everyone took three units but now they're just they need one of those three things back they either need the ability to hit better the ability to hit from further away or the ability to randomize better the fact that all three of those are slightly below means that i think they're somewhere between good and bad i love them because they they suit how i play which is lateral um whereas something like Giselle's don't because obviously Giselle's can't move very laterally so they do see how I play which is why I started taking them um and they do sometimes pull you out of tricky spots really nicely they'll do that one extra wing that you need to a character that's in combat they'll do you know they, they can just pull stuff out and a, a similar theme we've had throughout they are so low down on target priority for everyone Everyone was like, oh, does people not just do like a fireball and then they all die? Well, no, because no one ever targets them. <laughs> um, and the maths on them isn't great to do to doing wounds to things. But they can spike, which is essentially why they were in the list. They were in the list for the potential to spike, um, which they did do probably more often than certain other units in my list. Um, I think they're good. I'm debating whether they're in the bad category because of how they used to be but i think if you just look at them objectively now as they are i would say they're good i think if you ask nine of us game players you would get nine bads and it would only be me <laughs> finding their corner so yeah so oh, they oh. not get a lot of love on the uh, forum then they um they're considered to be bad generally by vs players <laughs> they got absolutely trash talked there was uh, a discussion thread about the book just after the masters actually and someone mentioned about uh global ears being the least seen unit and there was a few people commenting on why and then someone tagged me in and said well they've just won the uk masters and i had to be quite honest i was like yeah they were they were really good and they have potential but compared to what they used to be and compared to other options in the book do i think they're amazing no do they really suit how i personally play warhammer yeah does that mean they should be in every Skaven list? No. It goes back again to this 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 common comment that I think top players often often say, and it is significantly overlooked, is that uh, um, if you, you take units that suit your style of play, you know, pick a list that you like playing with, and you'll be a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now that's never really worked out for me in the way that I hoped it would, but. <laughs> I'm reliably informed that that's true. But if you're playing very laterally, I can see why Grenadiers would would, would be better than Giselle's. So I think that's a, an interesting point for, for, you know, for starting players out there. Take take what take what you like playing with, you know, develop your own style. Just net lists aren't always the best option. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think every book has more than one play style, which is how the game's been written to be. And yes, there might be a more commonly seen list for each book, 
but as I said, I, I've always enjoyed lateral movement. It's why I've enjoyed things like Malifaux and Lord of the Rings over the years. Um, and so the lists I write tend to be very lateral, which does mean you have weaknesses elsewhere. They don't tend to be as resilient as non-lateral lists, but they let me play to my strength. My strength is in the movement phase of the game. So, you know, if you have a particular strength or a particular preference on how you want to play, then most books can do most styles to an extent. Yeah. I think there's a a spot for them, definitely. They may not be the best unit, but I I think they're good. I don't think they're bad. It helps that I've got 36 of them modelled up as well, which is why I want to use them. (laughs) Do they actually have gas globes in their hands? I use the old uh, the globe launcher from the Island of Blood set. Oh, yeah. And cut that in two. And then you've got one guy carrying a little ball and another with like a launcher on his back. Um, and it's mainly those two. I do have some original Globadier models as well mixed in and a couple of conversions as well. But it's mainly those old globe launchers running around. I just remember when they're really popular, everyone was just using like any old rat at arms or whatever. Just They'll do. Rolling some green <laughs> stuff, putting it on the base. Yeah. Right, uh, the artillery next. And it's definitely a yin and yang between the two uh, plate catapult and lightning cannon, I think. One's amazing and one's garbage. But uh, yeah, plate catapult, I think, is broken. It's just the toxic attacks with combined with partial and how catapults work just makes it amazing. Yeah, I've been I've been on the end of these too many times. They they are fantastic. Yeah, they're really good. Um, I I've not used either for a long, long time until again the next round of CoronaCon where I've got <laughs> two play catapults. And my opponent's got two cannons. So, um, I I think the catapult is really good, and I do agree it, it gets by some of the catapult rules. But I also think it's hugely matchup dependent. Um. And has gone up significantly in points from when it was first uh, super, super popular on the scene. Um, whereas the cannons significantly come down in points. I think the cannons come down to something like 80 points, whereas the catapult's gone up about 45. So the gap between them is, is way smaller than it's ever been. The catapult is very, very good in certain matchups. Which... I think the lighting cannon's still overpriced, though. I Yeah, I agree. Um the cannon has its deficiencies, like range 48 and strength 7 are both meh. The strength 7, if you're shooting a steam tank, I don't want to be winning on 3s, I want to be winning on 2s. If I'm yeah. shooting a Infernal Dwarf train, I want to be winning on 2s, not 4s. So, yeah, I think the cannon is somewhere between bad and good, probably more on the side of bad. And I think the catapult is... I think the catapult is again one of those contextual models where it's good in certain matchups it's horrifically broken but in some matchups it's also bad um and the other side of it is that having these static war machines do give a target for things like enemy ambushes um which again isn't every army so i do think the war machines are very matchup dependent but i agree the catapult is good and i can see from a kingdom of equitain perspective why it would be considered broken <laughs> um, <laughs> it's melted yeah. many a night <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay so we're saying play catapult good lightning cannon good stroke bad 
probably I just, bad. I think it's bad. I think it's, it's too expensive. I think, How many I points think is an Empire Cannon? 265. I was just thinking that. It's, two, it's 25 points less and it's nowhere near as good. I mean, I can get Lightning Attack and stuff, but nah, I don't... That's not the same. I mean, the super well, the supercharged thing makes makes it quite interesting, doesn't it? But no, I mean, I, I would say that's 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 no, no it's nowhere near as good as an Empire Cannon. I think no. the other thing is that again, in in the context of Tunnel Gunners, two times three Gisales is two hundred and thirty, and a cannon is two hundred and forty. Yeah, and one of those is more seen than the others for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I the crew of the Plague Catapult is pretty good, actually, because they've got hatred and battle focus. So Woo. you can't throw any old chaff at them, no? You'll <laughs> kick the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, awesome. <laughs> right, well, and the next one is just, uh, well, I mean. This fuck has been a bane of my life for, uh, yeah, like 10 years, probably. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how to kill them. I, done. I think they're better than they were uh, in that they're less broken than they were, but they're still really good. I'm glad they're not random movement anymore, though. And what about Dreadmills, by the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they've, they've been um, they've been hassling the flanks since day one, haven't they? But it's uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not like they used to be, but they're still pretty amazing. Uh, is that an also two unit include, would you say, Craig? I no, I wouldn't say so. I think they're good. Um, I think they're very they they are quite expensive for what you get, and I think their potential is superb. In every game I go into, I'm like, yeah, they've got great potential in this game. But I think that's pretty much where they stop. Is that the the psychological impact of Doom Wheels from ten years plus of ruining people's lives, um, combined with combined with the potential is what scares people more so it's very very rare that they actually do anything in a game that makes me go oh yeah i'm so glad these are in my list and i think it's a combination of they're normally target priority number one so they tend to be the first thing that die and i i've said to the england guys before part of the reason they're in my list is so that people target them for three turns rather than my plague disciples um which yeah. you know goes back to stuff we said earlier is that you know if people kill 680 points of dreadmills in three turns of magic i'm okay with that because it means the rest of my stuff is safe yeah and dreadmills aren't essential to how my list works um i think they can zone very well and they can scare people very well i think when you actually start looking at what they can do meh they're they're shooting at 18 inch range of strength five if they're within 18 inch range of something they're probably in charge range of that thing that they want to shoot at because most of the stuff they want to shoot at is going to be, you know, swift stride or high movement. They are a lot worse in combat than they used to be. The lack of random move means they don't have that 360 threat anymore. I agree that was a good change, though, however. Um, I I think they're good, and I, I might be downplaying them slightly, but I also just think that they're not very hard to kill in combat, they're not very hard to kill from magic, and all the things they want to shoot at for example, you know, historically looking at things like dragons, tree men, giants, a- any of those three things can probably stand in front of a dreadmill and be confident that they're not going to take many, if at all, any wounds. Um, the dreadmill is going to be hitting on fours and wounding on fives and <laughs> doing D3 wounds, which, you know, it's, it's unfair to compare it to what it used to be like because it used to be one of the best models in the game, but. I do think 
people are scared of the the potential and people are scared of the historical background of the model i think they're good you think people might be playing the uh playing sort of the previous uh iterations of it then a little bit in their heads yeah for sure and i i think skaven players to an extent expect that from that model as well um like you push it to within 18 inches of a dragon and in your head you're like all right i'm gonna ruin this dragon and then you get <laughs> one and a half hits five to wound is half a wound d3 wounds you know you're lucky if you get a d3 off against a dragon and then you're within charge range of the dragon because you've only got 18 inch range and you go yeah oh cool i've just lost my doom wheel and because <laughs> it's fearless it can't flee which means that it's inside your army and it so yeah i i think they're good and i think they have a spot do i think they auto take for for 340 points a pop no do i still have two in my current list yes but not this round for <laughs> i've actually dropped them both in Corinacon for this next round but in every other list this year i've had two because yeah. of potential more than anything um i i think they're very expensive for what they do but hmm. yeah. yeah i think i'm, I'm just scarred from like yeah. you know what yeah, they yeah. used to do mm, and i'm always yeah. like well, they could just do nine wounds to me and take me off yeah. i can't go anywhere near them yeah. so yeah, yeah. In my head, they can still sit in the middle of an army, shoot the three closest things at 18 inch range with a strength 10 zapped in D6 wounds, yeah. and then charge into combat with D6 plus one impacts and all the strength three attacks as well. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're nothing like that anymore, are we? <laughs> yeah, they used to be super bent, but I think we're going to now say they're good as opposed to broken. Is that go on in? You've taught me down. Woo! I think they're definitely in the right where they should be now. I think they're whereabouts, you know, they're right. Yeah, they're at a point where they're a debatable unit to take rather than an auto-pick, which is a positive for the game. Yeah. If if they were the old Doom Wheel and they were auto-take, then that's bad. But the fact that... Like, I think Plague Disciples being auto-take is bad. Um, but I think Dreadmills not being auto-take is a real positive. And I, I do think as the time goes on, if they stay in their current iteration, you will see less of them because I think there are options that rival them. Yeah. Yeah, Why? I think the um, yeah they uh, I I think the, the 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 sort of the rule book balancing team are, are, are doing a really good job at the moment. The sort of you know depowering things. And uh, I've just written a note for myself: stop shooting treadmills. <laughs> <laughs> it it depends yeah. on your list and your magic as well, though. Like if your magic, so for example, if you're playing warriors and you've got hellfire, then yeah, probably go for the doom wheels early to get rid of them because. Yeah that spell is really good at dealing with them um however if you've got pyro then i just ignore the doom wheels and some i can't i was talking to Haristo the other day and he was saying oh well he has to deal talking about a dwarf player he's like oh he has to deal with the doom wheels and i was like why what do they do and he's like oh they charge into dwarfs and kill them i'm like kill like two a turn probably lose combat yeah. at some point like they they're they're okay against some things they're incredible against other things but quite often they're just decent Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, and then um, last unit. Last of all, the uh, abomination, the old hell pit. I I like them. I think they're good. Don't think they're broken. I, yeah. You know what is a little bit broken is the three d six attacks. I know it could be a triple one, but it could be a triple six. It could be eighteen attacks. It's mental for a monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's just that fear you always weigh up. You know, like, oh, fucking hell, he's going to, you know, get like 18 strength six hits on me or something. Yeah. 
Now, this is an interesting point, actually, Craig. As a top player, do you attempt to remove random elements from your list or do you take spike potential? No, I love random elements. Um, okay. It's why I played Skaven quite a lot during things like 8th and I was an Orkin Goblin player in 7th and I've played Ogres. Like, I, I think randomness in a game is both uh, is both fun is positive for a game but it's also positive in terms of a game plan if you've got the dreadmill is a great example that we just said about it it doesn't have as much randomness anymore but it still has that potential to go big which can swing a game and it you've got to almost assume with your randomness in your list that the random element isn't going to work and so when it does work it opens up opportunity to to you know get a bigger score out of the game um the things like abominations if i was to put two abominations in my list i would expect them to move six inches a turn and get three attacks when they get to combat and <laughs> die without killing anything but then if they suddenly go through a whole flank on their own and open up a whole flank then you know it's just an opportunity presented through ran well through yeah through randomness that otherwise wouldn't have been there and i mean they're, they're very similar in point to the monstrous rat cowboys who are much more consistent um so it, you know what a monstrous rat cowboy can do, which is fine, and you know what his limitations are. Whereas with an abomination, you know it could potentially take off most things in the game at his current stats, and that's that's an opportunity that your army wouldn't otherwise be able to create. So I think randomness is good, both as part of the game plan, but don't expect it to come off. But also I think it's good for the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the probability curve, the steepness of the, the spike is, is a really interesting idea that I think that the Ninth Age has got going through it at the moment as to, you know, whether or not you, you, you know, you take risks on it going big. And if it goes big, it's the Hail Mary, isn't it? And, if, and, and as you say, if that, if that goes off and opens up a whole wing, that's great. Or on the alternative option, which is to sort of go for much more um, consistent output, um, which which is better. But I think I think you're right to say you know if you make the assumption that they aren't going to do that and then they do then uh, then i think that's that's a pretty pretty sound option but i'm i'm, I'm thinking sorts of inquisitors is is the classic example in the empire build um the, the spike potential is fantastic but mm-hmm. you make the assumption that they're not and you plan for the fact that they're not going to do it uh, and if they do all to the good um yeah. and i think the bomb's got a pretty pretty that, that make, makes a pretty sensible point there yeah i just think random movement's really good really powerful yeah, random movement's excellent yeah yeah 100 you know no one can get around them once they're on the flank you're just gonna have to end up fighting them at some point i played against adam jones a few weeks ago at an england practice weekend and he took the warrior list with the two for big forsaken ones and the two forsaken units all random move 3d6 with a character that lets you re-roll and to move against that list was a pain because you're like, right, if that unit random moves <laughs> first out of the way, then this unit can go that way. Could go three inches or it could go 18. And it, yeah, it was a nightmare to play against. And I, I think anything with random move is, is a positive in a list rather than a negative. Mm. I think that is, yeah, coming up with some interesting lists at the moment. I was just looking at the leaderboard for the, uh, uh, the Coronacon. Um, Tanker looks like he's in fourth place. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fiorian in second. I don't know Philip Forster. I guess well, he's obviously German. He's, 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 uh, 
Yeah, just one of the German VC guys, yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting mix at the top, a lot of different countries, which is good to see. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I think the top eight are different countries, which is nice. Yeah, so uh, so for our listeners, uh, it's uh, Philip Forst from Germany in one, Furin from Poland in two, Miguel Duba from Spain in uh, three, Adam Jones Tanker from England in four, Travis Wayworth from the United States with Demon Legions in fifth, uh, and then on it goes from there. But there's a good smattering of top players I see floating around. There's yourself, Craig, there, doing really well. Bravo. Thomas Muller, um, I know him from uh, from last summer. Uh, he's a good player. Ryan Caps, of course, um, famous from his uh, his podcast. Oh, Colin, Colin Powell's up there as well. And um, and Henry as well. So it's uh, wow. This looks like I really wish I'd got in on this. I really wish I'd seen this. <laughs> there's um, there's actually. Do you mind me doing a plug that isn't anything to do with me? No, go for it, mate. Great. The USA guys have set up a four-man team event for when this finishes. Um, so yes, yeah, just you organise a four-man team event. It'll all be through Universal Battle. And they're trying to organise that to start in about a week's time, I think, or just over a week. It should be really interesting. Um, uh, okay, is that this... on the forum for people who want to get involved? Uh, I'll ask Jeremy to put up a post, um, or I'll, I'll, you know, pass you on the information to put in this podcast uh, yes, link. Please do. Yeah. But I, I think it's a great opportunity to play people from around the world. So um, yeah. for me, I've played two of the Americans. Uh, I know both of them from ETC times, and then one of the Danish guys who I hadn't spoken to for a while. And it's just really nice to catch up with people that I definitely wouldn't be catching up with otherwise. Um, and then That's team events are always yeah. great. And, and yeah. I How many games do you play? Is it just one a week? or? Uh, so this CoronaCon is one every five days or so. Um, there is a bit of leniency because Jeremy's aware that not everyone can always do that. So it's about one every four or five days. And this is a five-round event, and the team event will be similar, but that's going to go six rounds because someone pointed out that you don't need a five-round event because there's no people getting home on Sunday afternoons. So you might as well play six and play each scenario once and each deployment once. Mm. Well, uh, are you up for a bit of that, Kev? Yeah, definitely. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to join our team, Craig. <laughs> I, I've already found a team, but I don't want to let you guys down live on air. I'll, 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 share us, I'll save us the embarrassment of you having to uh, um and ah a little bit. <laughs> we just yeah. need to find two worse than us, Matt, and then we'll look good. Oh, there's no one worse than us, dude. We're bottom, <laughs> we're bottom of the barrel. That's the, that's the way we roll. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, a bombs then. Good, bad, or broken? Good. Good. Yeah, I don't think they're broken. Good. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Well, as we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, and then at various moments throughout, would you be so good, Craig, as to talk us through your all-conquering uh, masters list from January of this year? Uh, I played in the side event. I had great fun. Um, it was nice to see the pressure rack, really racking up on the uh, top players in the country. Uh, obviously, you came out on top with your VS list, and um, we uh, we're just going to gather around now and, uh, and bask in your intellectual uh, uh, superiority. So talk talk us through it, mate. So, as I said the list does play on the fact that I like lateral movement. I've always been a fan of MSU lists. Um, and so I was sort of trying to keep that theme throughout. And 
a lot of the list doesn't necessarily pick itself based on that that um that brief but i think a lot of it is relatively straightforward um but to start with the characters there's the two monstrous rat guys there and they were sort of my experimental thing one with the uh, ghostly garden hero's heart so he has 11 strength five attacks and a toxic breath um and a two up armor whereas the other guy is just as cheap as he comes at 310 and they were mainly to anchor flanks and hunt down scoring um two toxic breath weapons is a pain for some armies and something with 11 strength five attacks and a toxic breath with a two up armor is a considerate combat threat uh, both with a four at regens so they were sort of to go out hunting and to anchor flanks and to sort of maybe team up with a doom wheel on a flank to to sort of counter people's deployment um i've i found they can be quite fragile to magic and shooting but generally speaking they're, they're pretty safe uh quite hard to shift and i think they're quite good for their points um the next thing was uh sort of the core of the characters that actually synergied with the list those two chiefs are off running on their own um and the bsb and the the, the general was uh, magister adeptorm with the heirloom and he had an obsidian rock and then the bsb had crown of the wizard king and two ether icons as well as pistols but that was more just spare points at the end and the idea between those two is they provide my whole magic phase which is four spells torm generally you're looking at smite or the breath weapon and hand of heaven and magical heirloom is obviously uh, the vermin swarm spell which is really good and then the crown of the wizard king I, i'm a, i've always been a fan of the wizarding hat ever since it was an item i've taken in quite a lot of lists over the years and i actually think all 10 number one spells are quite good for that bsb so it gave me four spells generally two combat buffs two damage spells and it just meant that i had quite a flexible magic phase if i was in combat i had the two buffs can normally force one through if i was at range i've got two range spells and i can normally force one through with smite also being a a range spell that synergies with the list quite well um by dropping toughness at range and other than that just mr4 um to counter snipes which seem to have got popular recently and pyro uh, which would be an issue for my list otherwise moving down machinists they're amazing no reason not to take two I didn't have the points for Scurrying Veil, but whatever, they're amazing. And then the core was pretty much my standard core. Uh, two times 20 Plague Brotherhoods, exactly what we said earlier. Uh, fearless scoring is just good. You can normally put one of those with a, a monstrous rat on one flank for some of the objectives and know that you're going to have a good chance on one flank of getting whichever objective it is. The other Plague Brotherhood unit was there to provide leadership to the disciples and maybe for the characters to go into as a non-frontal fighting unit. The Giant Rats, great chaff. The footpads, as I said, great scoring, great 18-inch range shooting. The 18-inch range synergizes really well with Machinus and Doom Wheels. Um, that is essentially the range of the list is 18-inch. Three times 12 Plague Disciples because they're horrifically good two doom wheels they were in there for the potential and also i was debating what some of my um key competitors if i was going for the win would have so people like tanker and colin and i think the doom wheels were quite important to those with tanker playing uh, warriors and colin playing cowboy heavy um saurians and then the grenadiers were sort of just my free choice at the end i had about 400 points 
um, which went on the pistols for the chief. And I was like, well, I need some more shooting. And again, sort of a combination of looking at who my competitors might be, but also just what suited my play style and, and what I wanted to use at the end of the day as well. Um, and that's sort of why they went in there. They were an, a potential extra bunker for characters or machinists. Um, and just provided a bit of extra shooting prowess against some hard targets that I thought people might be bringing. Yeah, I mean, certainly when I first saw this, you know, obviously when um, when Will put the lists out, um, I looked at it and I thought, oh, wow, that's not the list I was anticipating seeing. Um, now, obviously, you know, you're not going to arrive at the Masters with, with a list that, that isn't, you know fantastic and something that that you know you're really going to rate uh and and you know and players that that play you on a regular basis obviously rate you as well so i, I knew it was it was good um i don't think i really realized quite how good it was until you know people were sort of telling stories towards the end of the weekend when um when obviously you know you 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 secured the title so i think not only is it a really good list i think it's an in, it, it's different as well and i i really like the way that you did that so Bravo and kudos to you on a couple of different levels. Thanks. Um, out of interest, if you had known that I was taking Vermin's form to the Masters, what would you have assumed I would have taken? I do. I would have assumed that you'd have just taken the normal sort of VS setup, you know, with with the bell and you know with Giselles and and, and been much less lateral. You know, I, I don't associate VS with with mobility. Um, and, and I think that was really where you broke the mould there, um, because, you know, normally you get at least one of the towers, if not two, uh, and, and essentially a sort of a sit there and, and you know, drop comment on you, force you to come out of them and they shoot you off. Um, I think that's often why think... VS don't really win big, is because yeah, they're quite but that, static. But you're not gonna, and that's the point, is you're not going to win the Masters that way. You're not gonna. Yeah. You've got to win. You got to win. You got to win big. I mean, you can't win. You, you can't win four games, thirteen seven, um, and and have a couple of draws and, and and anticipate you know taking the Masters title. So, I thought it was very bold and and quite revolutionary, really. Um, so, well done. What do you think, Kev? Out of our league, mate, or what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with that. There's so much just chaff that's not even chaff. It's all good. Uh, yeah, it would just run rings around me. I think I'd be yeah, terrified of it. Uh, I mean, even I, if we wrap it, I think it's got so much high quality shooting, it's going to give us trouble if you get through that. You've got to deal with the disciples. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's it's interesting what you were saying about having sort of played in other other um, uh, systems as well. You know, Lord of the Rings and uh, and Malifaux and stuff. Um, Years and years and years ago, I I, I played rugby with um, with well, I was coached by a guy called Sean Edwards, uh, who's probably one of the best rugby league players, and and then as obviously now coach of uh, coach of the world's rugby team, and he said the best thing to do to train for for rugby is to play basketball and football, uh, and I wonder if you know playing other systems makes you a better ninth age player, and if so, Kev, we need to start playing. Uh, I think each each different war game um, can teach you something different. So Malifaux, you build your list before each game, so you get quite you get quite uh, anal about making lists and about small decisions in lists, which I, I don't think you normally have in Warhammer. 
Um, I've always been a fan of writing this, but Malifaux sort of really pushed that. And on top of that, there was always, uh, you were playing from a joint objective as well as two of your own objectives. And your opponent had two of their own objectives as well. So there's possible of five objectives on the table. So you've got to be quite good at multitasking in, in Malifaux as well as combining models abilities. And in terms of Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings gets a lot of stick. I think it's a fantastic game. Um, and Lord of the Rings is pretty much entirely objective-based. And you write you write one list, take it to a tournament, you play six different objectives. And I think the the transfer from eighth to ninth, where objectives started becoming a thing at tournaments, surprised a lot of eighth edition players because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. never been objectives. Whereas for me, I was like, great, I, I mainly play objective-based games, so this is... A, a good change for me and I, I love playing for objectives um but and like for example playing blood bowl which is a, an, another classic that a lot of people have played you just have to make insurances for bad luck the amount of times in blood bowl you have this plan it's going to work and then you roll a one on a go for it with a reroll one or something like that or a two dice block and it's double skull you learn to do things in an order where there's insurance for if it does go wrong at the first possible roll and that's that is essentially the point of Blood Bowl, is you know that things are going to go wrong. How well have you offset that? Um, and so I think every war game can teach you something really important. And I'm quite lucky in that I've I've been in a position where I can do a lot of different tournaments. I can play a lot of different games. And I've known people that play a lot of different games. And yeah, I, I'm not going to make any bones about the fact that I, I'm not lucky about that. Um, but I do feel if I'd only played Warhammer, there would be aspects of my game that would be lacking. Uh, I finally I think on that it keeps it fresh I, I've taken a few breaks from Warhammer over the years to focus on another game and it meant that when I've come back to Warhammer I, I've come back with a passion that I, yeah this is the game I want to be playing and I've had a couple of years away from it what's new what can I do um yeah yeah I mean it's I, I think it scratches itches doesn't it Ninth Age that other other games don't uh I do you remember Jay Hopkinson from way back mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and and Gil and, uh, and and Dave Sweeting and stuff. We still meet up once in a while, and uh, and they they've been playing a bit of Lord of the Rings, uh, and we we have a few drinks and uh, talk about old times and stuff. So I I enjoy the odd game of Lord of the Rings. I, I've only played like half a dozen games and stuff, but I I do like the the, the mechanics of it. Um, but the other thing that it reminds me of is is quite how complex Ninth Age is, um, in comparison to other games. Uh, and that's that's a, both a good thing and a bad thing, I think. Um, it's nice that it's super complex and a real intellectual challenge, but also it, it makes it quite inaccessible for you know beginners. Uh, and but obviously we've got the the you know we've got the um, uh, the quick starter stuff nowadays, uh, which is a really good way. Because my um, my 12 year old daughter wants to start learning to play Ninth Age, so she's coming up on Saturday for a week. So I'm gonna get her going Sweet. on that. Just start off on VS. Going to give her your master's. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this time next year, watch out for a girl called Georgia Paris on can't table wait, one. Can't wait. <laughs> um, I, I think one thing you said about uh, Ninth Age being complex, I think compared to certain other games, so the reason I went away from Malifaux was I took a little bit of a break from it. And when I came back, the issue with Malifaux is there's literally hundreds of models. Each model has eight abilities on its card or so each ability synergizes with other models in a different way and it was a frustration i always had with hordes and war machine as well which was if i didn't know what this model did with this model did with this model did with this ability for this model 
yeah. then I can lose the game from 27 inches away because you killed my caster through a random assassination attempt that I didn't put together in my head. Right. And I think, yes, Ninth Age mechanically is complex, but I think there's a difference between uh, complex mechanics and complex models. I think the models in Ninth Age are simple, which means that once you understand the mechanics, there's not much you go into a game with and you're like, I really don't understand how this unit interacts with this unit and this unit. The only army I have that with in the minute is demons, where there's so many different manifestations for so many yeah. different units. And that's that's the sort of... Uh, that's why I moved away from Malifaux, is because there were so many models and so many interactions that you had to be on constantly on top of it and constantly playing games to understand every interaction. Whereas in Ninth, once you're used to the mechanics which, yes, is a high learning point, but once you've got there, I actually think the models themselves are pretty straightforward, which means that you can play the game without mm. having to, to overanalyze an opponent's list. Because yeah, it's the, sort of, it's the chain effect thing, isn't it? I mean, whereas, the, yeah, as you say, the, the mechanics of it are, are, are complex, but for a reason, whereas the, you know, the chain effect of, of um, you know, multiple, multiple characters uh, just synergizing is... Uh, it makes makes things like Malifaux super super tricky. Sean Mitchell, um, uh, another you know great ex Warhammer player, um, played a bit of that and said that was a, a real thing for him. So mm. at uh, least with Ninth Age as well, everyone has access to all the books, so you haven't got to worry about you know you don't have to know all the books off by heart. It went like eight, we had to buy all the books to learn about everything. And, you can and just no read them yourself. Creep, you know. Let's not yeah. forget the power creep that used to be a. A real pain in the ass. Is there power creep with Malifaux and hordes? Yeah, there was in every game, um, and you you get different metas. Uh, I haven't looked at hordes machine for quite a while, but in Malifaux certainly there was an issue of power creep, but also model saturation, where we're the ultimately a company that wants to sell models. If they've already got 150 models released, each with their own rules, and then they want to release more to keep selling you just end up with such a saturation of models and a, such a saturation of rules. How how do you keep that fresh and how do you keep that sort of going? And that was one thing they really struggled with, um, especially towards the end of second edition and into third, was, right, we've already got 150 released models. We've got these new models coming out. It's even more interactions. It's even more rules. It's even more... The playtesters had to test with every single model to check there wasn't a random interaction that broke the game um which means that the testing gets exponentially harder which means more things sneak through which means yeah which means more faqs which means more complexity and you know it just uh, gets well, into that and, cycle and of, as as we all know the second the new rule book comes out when your character comes out the first thing we all do is try and break it so it's, <laughs> um, you know it's the way it's the way it is isn't it yeah so interesting um okay so craig thanks very much for all of your input on vs it's um it's been a revelation to be honest mate um it's always nice to see somebody who's operating at a higher plane (laughs) one quick thing before we move off vs uh how do you beat vs craig yeah what are we missing out on yeah go on tell us how uh, well i think it is quite list dependent i'd as I said, Kevin, I'm afraid to say this, if there's two played catapults on Sable and you're playing KOE, then there's not much advice I can give, I'm afraid. Um, but th- it is about trying to drag them out of position. Their, their positioning is normally quite cru- crucial for things like either leadership bubbles or frenzy bubbles 
none of their units particularly like getting flanked. So if you can start dragging things out of position and tempting them out of position, um, as well as just as I as we spoke about when we, when we said Doom Wheels, a lot of people target them because they've still got a, a sore head from the last time they played them a few years ago. Whereas actually, I think in most matchups, they're not the most important models. So it's about thinking, what does the Skaven player perhaps not want you to target? And, and how can I drag them around where they don't want to be? And um, at the end of the day, they are a movement five infantry army. So the chances are you will outcharge them. You will slightly outmaneuver them with most armies in the game. Um, and, and how can you use that, I guess? Okay, so push them, yeah, pull them, pull them around. I guess frenzy is a, a big thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, but not an easy, not an easy, not an easy takedown, though. Hey, Kev, what do you reckon? Oh, absolutely not. Really struggle. Um, yeah, I think you're trying to pull them out of position is definitely the best thing you can do. But they have a lot of chaff as well. It's hard to get flank charges, and you know that they don't want you to get. It can be very tricky. I think. Target if you can target the characters early on as well. Um, yes, some of the units are very good, but I think the characters tend to be what elevate the Skaven list more so than anything else. So if you can either kill a, a a character in combat, or if you've got the snipes available, or if you can put pressure on them in some way, then it does make them adapt differently as well. But yeah, yeah, I guess like like exalted heralds away, flying snipes and stuff would be pretty pretty useful wouldn't they but it's, yeah i think if you can shut down their magic early on as well you'll definitely be in a better spot mm-hmm. yeah that's uh there was a, a really interesting uh dan thomas is running his um uh his id uh thread on on the forum which is well worth a read uh lots and lots of really excellent links for you know beginning players and also more advanced players on there as well but one of the things that that he was saying when he played a vs list recently was essentially you got to surround it uh, and yeah. even with a even with an immobile list like id you know you got to surround it you got to you got to force them to to either push out from their the, you know the defensive sort of bubble or you've got to you know put them in a position where if they don't do that then they're going to get multi-charged um and that was that was that's essentially was his take from it. But yeah, um, I, yeah. I think I think one last thing, one last thing on it back. is that Skaven inherently are short range as well. Um, most Skaven lists. So if to to just use my Masters list again, the footpads are eighteen inch, the Doom Wheels are eighteen inch, the Grenadiers are eight inch, the Machinists are eighteen inch. Outside of eighteen inch, I've got nothing essentially. If I'm within eighteen inches, you can set up some long charges. And you can stagger your army. Your army doesn't need to be in a flat line. If I really want to target, for example, um, I don't know, a monstrous cavalry unit with my Doom Wheels, if they're 18 inches away from my Doom Wheels, then they should be within 15 inches of another unit that you've pushed up to sort of counter me shooting your monstrous cav. Um, It's a short-range army. Yes, it's powerful at that short range, but you can offset that by staggering your army and not just um, flatlining an army, which is what a lot of people tend to do and it lets you pick your targets without sort of um having to take risks uh, so you can sort of screen my demis with militia for example yeah if you're uh, if your demis are three inches offset to your militia even if they're alongside them but three inches further back mm-hmm. if i want to come forward and target the the um uh demis then 
I'm probably within counter charge range of your militia and a doom wheel doesn't want to be charged by militia. It's not a great fight for either of us, but yeah. it pins down a doom wheel and um, yeah, it's, mm. it's a short range army at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Anything else on VS, Kev? No, I think we've uh, covered it. I, I feel a bit confident now. I'll have to give them another go and see how see how play out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm learning. <laughs> You'll have to let me know. We, we live in hope, don't we? We do. We do. Oh, we, do. we do. Okay, so uh, then, Craig, if you would mind playing a couple of our little features at the end. Um, yeah, Desert sure. Islands, Desert Island Ninth Age. So obviously it's inspired by Desert Island Discs, um, you're to be marooned on a beautiful tropical island in the middle of the South Pacific. Uh, the bad news is we're only going to let you take one of your Ninth Age armies with you. Um, no doubt at some point Man Friday's going to turn up and he'll learn the rules and um, you're going to get to play Ninth Age. So which army are you going to take with you and why? So, I'm, I'm gonna, can I give two very quick credible mentions to armies I'm not taking? Is that of allowed? Course. Absolutely, yeah. So, my Sylvan Elf army I took to WTC last year was my first ever painting nomination for an army. Um, and it was a 190 player event. I came third in the painting with an army, which was beyond what I thought I could do with a paintbrush. So, Bravo. in terms, in terms of hobby wise, it's the only time I've ever been proud of an army. Um, I do put effort in, contrary to what people think, but it's the only time where things have come together. So well, that, we, we, we know the joy and pain of that, don't we, Kev? We yeah. do indeed. <laughs> um, the second honourable mention, which isn't a Ninth Age army, which is why I chuck it in here, is my 8th edition End Time Skaven that I took to ETC, yeah. um, where I had the Thunderhugs with the templates, Doom Rocket, Brass Orb, Law of Undeath on the Grey Seers, Power Scroll 13th. <laughs> I just loved it. I just loved it so much. Um, yeah. If, if this wasn't Desert Island ninth, that would be what I would take. However, because it's ninth, I think I would have to take my Centaur list, um, yeah. which I took to a couple of ETCs, uh, which is just essentially three or four units of Centaurs with some Centaur characters and some ambushing core. Uh, as, as I've been saying throughout, I love lateral movement. It's the most lateral movement army I've ever used. It's very good at shooting. It's very good at combat. It's not very resilient. It, it dies to a stiff breeze but it means you have to play careful with it and it's the list has probably challenged me the most up my play but it's also probably i I hate to blow my own horn but it's probably also the most innovative list i've ever written it's it's certainly it it, it was just like a a whiz bang in amongst the top players i mean there were were seriously good players who were i overheard saying i just don't know what to do about this Uh, and you don't you, you genuinely don't hear that we we wrote it well i i wrote it with jake on the way back from a tournament i was giving him a lift um and the more we spoke about the idea of we we basically went through the book and looked at each unit and went if you had loads of this would it work if you had loads of this would it work and because i was using the chariot msu list at the time uh which was great it was really good fun list to use but had its fragilities um especially after a couple of models were nerfed which was the bluffers chariot lord basically and we we came out of it i was like i'm not sure if this will work but i think it will and we took it to six nations which was in mansfield a sanctuary and i said to everyone there i was like i know this will seem ridiculous but we're not releasing the list publicly because i want this central list to be secret for etc and it's the first time i've ever known of especially in england a list being kept secret ahead of etc release which sounds ridiculous (laughs) 
Um, but then when it came out, like obviously first few days nothing happened, and then my inbox on Ninth Age forum just kept getting messages from people going, "What is that?" Like either complimenting the list or asking how it works. I had a few messages of people saying that they've tried it and how powerful it was and and when we played the Auss- the Aussies in the Ashes, I spoke to them after the pairings and they were like, we had seven people who get run over by that list yeah. and one person who thinks they can play it but they're not sure. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is it can change how it plays pre-deployment because you can be sober and you can be light troops shooting or you can be drunk and you can go uh, all out combat. It can obviously change mid-game as well because of the looted booze rule but it meant people were never sure how you were going to play a game. They didn't know if you were going to go super aggro or super dancey. And it meant they just didn't know if to take combat buffs or whether to take damage spells. Um, yeah, I, I just, I've got yeah. a soft spot for that because I think it's hard, especially in ninth to an extent, to write lists that are truly unique. And as much as I hate to blow my own trumpet, I do think it was. And I, I think, especially for the first ETC I took it, it just, people just did not know how to pair against it in the pairings process, which gave us I a think, huge. I think f- fair enough. It broke the meta. I mean, that was it was one of the few lists you can talk about where people just went, "Wow, what are we gonna do about that?" <laughs> just, yeah, that was really it was a really cool list. I remember that that coming out. Do you hear about that one, Kev? I did, and uh, yeah, there's not many lists, especially in ninth anymore, where you don't know how it how it plays or how it works. Because everything's open list anymore, it's not closed list, so you know mm. you generally yeah. know what's gonna what it's gonna do. But with yeah, with the sober and drunk rules and stuff, you, you just don't know. Yeah, and uh, I love it. I'd love to think that I could use it, but everyone knows that I'm gonna play it. Oh uh, yeah, you're getting it's drunk. Be- it's basically <laughs> a KOE list. Exactly. Let's get pissed and charge him in the face. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah. So, uh, all right then, Craig, uh, UK master, we're going to put you onto your island with your amazing beast herd, centaur heavy army, meta breaking, etc, smashing army, man Friday. Not going to know what's hit him. Um, okay. So, ancient enemies, then, buddy. Um, anyone from history you fancy playing? Uh, who do you think uh, would make an interesting opponent? Uh, what do you think they'd play? And what do you think their play style would be like? So I wouldn't actually play Ninth Age with my um, with my opponent, which might sound odd, but we've spoken about the game that I would play a few times during the podcast, which is Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I would love to play Hannibal in a game in Lord of the Rings where we recreate the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Purely so he can push some elephants across the table. That is yeah, literally my full justification of it. Um, you know, he yeah. was he's one of the main generals that's ever ever been that used elephants in some way. Yeah. Um, probably the most famous for sure. Uh, and I just think it'd be great fun playing him and giving him a load of mummer kill with some Haradrim on the back and rerunning a bit there. of the Punic Wars stroke battle of uh, Pelennor Fields, eh? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Do you reckon uh, do you reckon Hannibal would um would would give you the old uh, bums rush, or do you think he'd give you the reverse bowl or bait and flee? <laughs> what what do you think he'd be up to? Because the man could do pretty much anything, couldn't he? I'm not convinced he can bait and flee with Mummer Kill. Um, <laughs> in the concept of Lord of the Rings, but 
yeah. I, you know, I just in my head, I'd like to think he'd just shove it forward, but I do agree that he's probably more tactically astute than that. So maybe he <laughs> maybe he'd outplay me in that aspect because I'd expect him to do one thing. Well, I guess it depends on how many Mama Kelly can get across the Alps. I guess, isn't it? True but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Any choice. thoughts on that, Kev? That's a good choice. Uh, but I did have a brain fart for a minute, and like Hannibal Lecter. He's not from history. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd play him as well, but I'd yeah. probably be you know, a little yeah. bit worried. But Yeah, I would if I ran the house for a game. It'd have to be in public. I, I feel like he'd play vampire counts as well. He just comes across as that type of person. But... Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got a Strigoi list out there, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Kev, is there anything you'd like to say before I round it up? No, thank you for coming on, Craig. It's been a pleasure. It's been enlightening as well. It's been really good. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. very much for having me. I appreciate it. No, no, it's it's been our pleasure entirely. Well, uh, in the uh, in the pre notes, we said we were going to aim for forty five minutes, maybe to an hour. <laughs> and by <laughs> we're heading for our third hour nearly. My wife went to bed about an hour and a half ago, um, so <laughs> going to be in trouble tomorrow. But um, it just says uh, it, it just leaves me really to say thank you so much to Craig for coming on. Uh, it's a real treat for us. We're, we're obviously starting up as a podcast and uh, Kevin and I are super proud about about that. But it's fantastic that you've come on and thank you for being so, um, so open about your list. And it's been a real treat for us. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I feel a little bit better about playing VS than I did beforehand. Although if I ever come up against you, it's an easy 20, buddy. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Just listen back to the podcast. Just have it playing at table side. It's about the length of a round of Warhammer now, I think. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So um, anything last to say, Kev, before I um, before I say cherry pip? Um, no. No, no. Anything okay. from the UK master before I say cherry pip? No, just thank you very much for having me on and all the best for the podcast. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. My pleasure. Yeah, no. Right. Well, thank you very much to our dear listener. And uh, uh, that's it for the Paired Weapons podcast. Episode two is going to be live onto your usual feeds. Uh, make sure you hit us up on the forum. Uh, I'm Manny P and Kev's out there as Axel, Axel Vicious. I said that's that right, right, didn't I? Yes. We're on Twitter, um, uh, Matt underscore Paris, and Kev, you're at? Axel Vicious. Axel Vicious. <laughs> got to have a brand, you wanna... Matt. you got to have a brand. Uh... <laughs> Craig, you on Twitter? You want to want to pump out anything there? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at UKRocky90. Um, that's my personal one. Awesome. Okay, well, look, thanks very much for listening, guys. It's been a real pleasure having you on board. Thanks again to Craig and to my mate, Kev, and we'll catch you for episode three, which will be forthcoming soon. So from the side of a mountain no one's ever heard of, overlooking a town that uh, might as well be from something out of Lord of the Rings, it's Matty P and his busy mate, Kev, saying thanks very much, and we'll catch you next time. Cheerio. Bye, everyone. <laughs>